Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the Random Town Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this episode is the Stuff of Legends, as we'll appropriately enough be talking about the uh, Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds for the Nintendo 3DS. It's uh, coming up later in the show, we'll have our impressions of the game, as well as thoughts on really what it means for the Zelda formula, like the gameplay formula going forward, because there are some changes definitely made in the game. Are they for the better, though? And is this kind of a blueprint of what's next, or is this a one-off side project? We're kind of going to discuss all that, and of course share our impressions of the game. So stay tuned for that later in the show, but first, as always, we've got news. We've got game updates. We've got game announcements. We've got Cranky Kong. We have Reggie saying bizarre things. And we have VGX. And we have Nintendo's uh, November sales performance, which is a quite hotly discussed topic over the last few days because it's quite shockingly not good-ish. So we'll, um, we'll be talking about all that later in the show. You can jump to anything that interests you by going to the timestamps on the blog at ramtel.com this, for episode 59. So let's start off with some of those game updates that I mentioned. Specifically, one of the biggest games of 2014, Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS. So, Smash Bros. We've been getting a steady stream of updates every so often now through Miiverse, courtesy of Masa, Masahiro Sakurai, the head of the series. But he's he's upping them. They're yeah, definitely... They're, yeah, they're more than just um, pictures of the characters posed in different ways. It's not just like, look, Luigi's nose <laughs> is in Mark's face. Whoa! Oh, Peach looks really angry at Lean. Yeah. <laughs> Luigi, get out of the frame. <laughs> no, it's like, it's actual news now. We had three in the last two weeks, which is more than any single burst he's done thus far. So, uh, arguably the biggest, I would say, is probably that Majora's Mask is getting a bit of a big reference shout-out of sorts in the game, in that the Skull Kid character, I don't know why I had to say as a character, everyone who knows Zelda, Skull Kid is um, going to be an assist trophy, which not only is cool in, in and of itself, but also reconfirms what we suspected, which is assist trophies are back. So it's kind of a one-two announcement. I don't think he's previously said assist trophies would be there. He's alluded to it, but I don't think he outright said it until now. So, and I don't think they appeared in the trailer. Yeah, they did not. They definitely did not. So, the thing, so one, it's cool that Skull Kid's there, because for some reason, there's a ton of Nintendo, or Majora's Mask mask fan service coming out on Nintendo lately. There seems to be more and more fans, like, as the days go on. Yeah, (laughs) and that that leads to the second thing I was going to say, which is, why is there all of a sudden this huge Majora's Mask outburst of love and fan service, and, like, I know there's Operation Moonfall, and there's all this stuff about getting Majora's Mask on 3DS and how cool that would be, and I agree, it is a great game. But it's just like, where is this coming from all of a sudden? I mean, there's Majora's Mask in A Link Between Worlds, like, right at the beginning of the game, on the wall. Not even, like, you see it, like, within a minute of the game starting. And then there's... At this point, isn't it the only Zelda game that hasn't been (laughs) ported? Yeah. (laughs) It's the only Zelda game they haven't milked yet? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, even... Skyward, I mean, not Skyward Sword, um, Twilight Princess had two versions of it, so... Well, that kinda... doesn't count. <laughs> no, that was the same day and date, but... <laughs> but every other Zelda game is either too, I don't know, too That's current true. to be ported or... Yeah, yeah, or has been ported. Yeah, but I wonder, like, is Nintendo just doing fan service, or are they kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge? Guys, look, here's Majora's Mask in, in A Wink Between Worlds, here's Skull Kid in Smash Bros., you know what that means... A third part of Wind Waker. No, but is it, <laughs> is it like, is it a hint? I, I don't really know, but either oh. way, either way, it's nice that they're at least responding to fan outcrying. That sounds so severe, like, or so serious. Maybe this the is. outcry of fans. Maybe but. this is it. This is it? Yeah. Oh, you want Majora's Mask? Well, we'll give you this guy in Smash Bros. And you can see the mask on a wall in another game, and we'll call it good. It's kind of like, um, 
Well, actually, no, it's nothing like that. But I guess it reminds me of that other picture they showed a while ago around the time that Pokemon got announced when they showed the Pikachu from the front and on the back they had the legendary from X. Oh, yeah. Xerneas in the back. Yeah, that's, they never so, said what that what yeah, so Xerneas was doing there. Because first I thought, okay, maybe he's a Pokeball Pokemon, but Probably. he could also be a stage Pokemon, kind of like how in right, Raw in there's Raw that... The, the legendaries with the flip stage. The spear pillar, yeah. That place. Yeah, that could... Yeah, I mean, Sakurai... One thing I'll give Sakurai credit for, and he... You know, as we go through these other things he announced, you'll notice it's the case, is he loves teasing. And this is something Reggie does, too. When we get to the funny comments from Reggie bit, which we're appropriately calling... Reggie says the darndest things. But when we get there, uh, him and Sakurai both really love teasing things. They like going, like, you never know. Hey, it could happen. I mean, look at this. So, <laughs> never rule it out. Never rule it out. So, or never yeah. say never. I think I've heard him say that a few times. So has Justin Bieber. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't, so I don't know if we want... Um, I don't know if we want Reggie. We know who Reggie looks up to now. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bieber, did, Re- Bieber did have a 3DS... Or, yeah, a 3DS so, on his Christmas music video two years ago. So, clearly, him and Reggie are like are like this. No one can see what I'm doing, but I'm doing the finger <laughs> cross like this. They're so close thing. Yeah. But no, anyway, so that's the first announcement is Skull Kid in Smash Bros. Yeah, let's dive deeper into these. It's di- yes, oh, well, we, we're we not quite at those depths yet. First we have to take a detour into the world of Find Me, and then we'll dive all the way to the bottom of the earth. We'll submerge ourselves underwater to talk about a, uh, shall we say, submachine gun? Get it? Because it's a submarine gun? We'll get to that. Anyway, first, uh, Find Me. So, another thing Talker I tease, because he's an expert at teasing is uh, that the boss, the Dark Lord of Find Me 2, the guy at the very end who has you trapped in a cage and your other, and all the other minis have after to... After the double fake out of it. Like, yeah, oh, this is the yeah. final boss. Oh, this is the other final boss. Oh, no, it's this... Oh, now it's this guy, yeah. Well, he is a screenshot for the 3DS version of the game that was posted on Miiverse, and it's him and the cage behind him, and that's it. Doesn't say if it's a stage... Doesn't say if it's an assist trophy. Doesn't say if it's a playable character. It's not. Or some sort of boss. like Or some sort ones. of boss. Yeah. It, no idea what it is. But my hunch is it's... Pro- well, yeah. It's going to be 3DS yeah. exclusive. Because that's something Sakurai has said and didn't tease. He outright said is that he's going to match up a lot of stages to the system that yeah. the version's on. So 3DS will have like Nintendogs and Find Me and Wii U will not. It'll have I'm okay like Mario that. Galaxy <laughs> and... That's Skyward Sword. <laughs> Skyward Sword. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. But, so, this is probably a stage, is my hunch, because it looks like a stage. Like, the background and the level, like, the sky color, the structure that you see on the edge. It's going to be, like, the Fire Emblem stage, it's kind of progresses. Oh, probably, yeah. But it definitely has that kind of, it looks like the the fine, the whole thing looks like the stage in Find Me, so. Uh, I will say, though, that I really like when they do these obscure ones. Like, I much prefer these stages, I know that sounds weird, not to fight in just the fact that they're there. I much prefer having this sort of crazy fan service than having, like, generic Mario stage number five or something. Like, I like the Electroplankton stage in Brawl. I like the PictoChat stage in Brawl, just because they're so, like, out there and different. And this one definitely feels like, like, the Find Me stage is definitely, like, this Smash Bros. version of the Pic- of the PictoChat stage. Yeah. It's a nice reminder that they're really, like, digging deep into Yeah, it. they go, like, to all back nooks and crannies of the Nintendo universe and drag out whatever they can find. It's yeah. great, yeah. And the other thing they dragged out, which we kind of were joking about a second ago, was uh, Steel Diver which is possibly even more obscure in a way than Find Me, is also gang in the game, but not as a character and not as a um, assist trophy, but as a weapon. So you have a gun, a submarine gun, yeah, a submachine gun. With... Why aren't you laughing at my joke? Submachine gun. It's a submarine gun. Because uh, I've already heard it so many um, times. Yeah, I probably did steal it from somewhere, realistically. But um, but yeah, it's 
it shoots a torpedo. The torpedo starts going really slow, and it speeds up at the last second and hits the bat, whoever you're targeting, so or whoever it's shot towards. So that's a weapon, an assist trophy, and a stage, most likely, all in two weeks. That's that's they're definitely picking up the pace here, and I think actually that uh, I think that's a good sign that development's progressing nicely. Like it's. You know, if the game was as far out as it was, say, six months ago when they were doing a trickle of news, they wouldn't even have an, all this news to share. Like, the fact that they're going, hey, here's a stage, hey, here's a assist trophy, hey, here's a weapon. Like, they're they're picking up the pace. Like, yeah, this development's yeah. coming along. That's a good point, because usually they would, like, linger on one character for, like, two or three days. And yeah. just, like, oh, this is Luigi super close up. Oh, this is him doing one pose. Here's and... Luigi's nose. Here's him looking sheepish. Here's, oh, no, him... here's like, five pictures of Mars or yeah. five pictures of... Oh, yeah, they did a lot of Mars. Mars is lying down. Mars is standing <laughs> up. But... Oh, that Mars like, oh, here's Mars sleepy head. Like, oh, Jigglypuff confirmed or... Yeah. Or, but... But, yeah, yeah, if only it was that simple to confirm Jigglypuff. But, um... What was I going to say? It's probably just a hard landing. Or something. But, uh... No, I, I guarantee you it's a hard yeah, landing. Yeah, it probably isn't. But, yeah, it's... The fact that they're doing it this much is a good sign that's coming along nicely. I don't think, though, it's going to be as soon as some people are hoping. There's a whole mini brouhaha about the release date when um, a report out of Europe came out that Nintendo rep said Super Smash Bros. and Mario Kart 8 would both be coming out in spring. In other words, they set a launch window for Smash Bros., which was previously not known. Mario Kart is, in fact, coming out in spring, last we've heard. That's what everyone at Nintendo is saying. But Smash Bros., Nintendo had to clarify, is not coming out in the spring. They said it was a misquote. And the fact that they even said that makes me think there's zero chance it's coming out in spring. Because if there was the possibility it would happen... They would just let the mis- you know they would just let the gossip happen and let it be, but if they are coming out and saying no 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 all we said is twenty fourteen, it's probably a fall title. It's probably a holiday title. It's definitely not a spring title. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like why would they deny something that they're later just gonna say the opposite about? So I think I think it'll probably be a game later in the year. Probably their big my hunch is probably their big holiday title for twenty fourteen. Have to wait a whole year. Yeah, and even then, the Wii U version might launch before the 3DS version, is what Sakurai was saying in the past. Oh, really? He was saying, yeah, because this was way back when, I think we talked about this a few months ago, where they were going to launch simultaneously. That was the plan, but apparently, like, just, like, optimizing everything to fit on the game card, which is much smaller memory, that's kind of, (laughs) that's kind of slowing it down, I guess, but, um... With the limitations he set himself. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, whenever it comes out, though, um... I kind of hope it doesn't kill poor Sakurai because he's apparently doing the work of many, many, many people. There's a report, uh, he has a column in Famitsu, the Japanese magazine. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, he was basically saying that he likes to manually enter all the all the like stats and hitbox data for every single character oh, and then go tweak them and go compare them. So he actually does the work of many people. Like this is, you know, however many characters stretched across how many staffers, but he does it all himself because he wants to make sure it's done right. So he actually comes in on Saturdays. He works a six-day week. Saturday, all day Saturday, he just sits there and puts in stats and tests the stats and tweaks the stats. So, this guy's dedicated. I'm surprised he's, like, sick of his own games by the end of it. Well, he's just super dedicated to, like... I almost said to the cause, but (laughs) this is not really a cause. He's so dedicated to the The Smash Bros. Foundation. keep people from returning their Wii U or something. The cause to get people to buy a Wii U, more like it, because clearly... (laughs) Also to hang on to it until Smash Bros. comes out. There you go. Yeah, but, um... Either way, that's that's definitely dedication. That's something that you don't see. I mean, a lot of companies push their developers to work insane hours, but you don't see many developers choosing, or at least not publicly stating that they choose to go do these insane hours. So, so props to Sakurai. The fans do, at least me and probably you, we we do appreciate it. The fact that he puts his heart and soul into all these time and time again. Yeah. But uh, kind of switching gears, going from one 
also actually also kind of ha- hailing from like the hallowed halls of HAL Laboratories uh, is a 3DS game that does have a date and is coming out rather soon, at least in Japan, and that's Kirby Triple Deluxe. Um, I didn't realize this. It's in, out in Japan in under a month. It comes out in Japan on December, on December, on January 11th, which is like three and a half weeks from when this podcast goes live. Like that's really soon, considering they just announced it. What October, November? It's, well, it's yeah. I wonder how fast they made it. Yeah, I wonder how not special this game will be. Like I want to say bad because it could be perfectly good, but I wonder how like by the books it's gonna be. Well, I mean, judging by the trailer they've shown, it looked very. Traditional Kirby. Kirby Return to Dreamlandish, almost like yeah, but with a 3D. They effect. just took out the other characters and just made Kirby. Yeah, just, it's like it, exactly. It's like old school. It's like Kirby 64 kind of, but not maybe not as ambitious. But it has kind of the two and a half. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we we are learning a little bit about the game though. Um, courtesy of Japanese magazines. Besides the 3D effect, there are a few other things that stand out about this Kirby. Minor things. It is straight up just a side-scrolling platform, but. Uh, there are three, I guess, three core things you could say that they revealed about Kirby. Two of them are power-ups, which they, there's going to be about 20 of them in the game. You know, suck up different enemies, get the ability, like old-school Kirby. But these two are a little different because, one, he turns into, like, a bell boy. Like, he's a guy, he has two bells in his hands and a bell on his hat. And if you, the amount you hammer A, instead of just having the attack B, like, you press A, it does it. The faster you hit A, the louder the bells ring and the more, like, sound waves shoot out and hit enemies further away. Or something like that, if I'm understanding the article correctly. Game breaker. Yeah, I know, right? But and then speaking of real game breakers, the other new item is called. <laughs> no, this one literally oh. does. It's called the Big Bang Attack. You get it when you inhale a beanstalk, and I think they showed this in the trailer. But he inhales the beanstalk, and then he inhales the entire oh. level. It's like the it's the mega mushroom of the Kirby games. Like it's the it, you can just completely destroy the world and just ease, or the giant egg from Yoshi's New Island of the Kirby games. Like, it's it's Nintendo going, we need one thing that just lets you win. Wow. A win button. That's a sucks. win button. Yeah. yeah, they need to stop doing this in all their platformers. It's getting a little ridiculous. I, I didn't mean to, like, say that the ability is bad. I just wanted to use No, I know, but, I'm, but that made me realize that really... Actually, I did not pick up on that pun, I'm going to be honest. I tried to play it off, but no, I did not notice. Uh, but no, it, it is kind of interesting, though, that all Nintendo side-scrolling platformers now have some sort of watch-you-destroy-the-level-and-just-easily-get-to-the-end mechanic. I wonder what, what sort of mandate there is inside Nintendo that they need this. Mega Mushroom, the Yoshi Egg, this, the, the Big Bang. is just Which I'm sure is going to have a different name when it comes stateside, because Big Bang's not a good name for attack. Well, it's going to be like Beanstalk Blast or something. They just really want everyone, like, everyone to be able to play, I guess. I guess, but it's honestly, only in select levels. Like, anyway. Honestly, when I was reading the back of Super Mario 3D World, mm-hmm. I honestly thought it said suck at first. Like, oh, the the Super Relief will help players that are that suck. Oh, get stuck. <laughs> yeah, but it was get yeah. stuck. I just immediately... You, just, you just jumped to the logical conclusion of, oh, it's for the bad, crappy players. <laughs> but then I read them, I'm like, oh, well, I mean, obviously they're not going to put for players that suck yeah, on the yeah. block, but... No. That's just how I read it. Yeah. I, that'd, be amazing it if wrong, they, that'd be amazing but... if they did put that on the box. Like, are you bad at Mario? That's okay. We have a win button. I can see that for like a third party. I don't know. I can see that like game. a Kickstarter. Like an ironic. Like an indie Kickstarter project where you're like, you get a box with all these like tongue in cheek comments and it's all like satire and parody. Yeah. 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 But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, besides, so besides those two power ups, the other thing that's coming to Kirby that's kind of interesting, actually, this is probably the coolest thing of the bunch is they're kind of exploring Kirby's history through 250 different keychains that you could collect within the game. Oh. They're sc- it's not that big of a deal, but they're scattered around the levels. Maybe some more exciting than Well, I think it's actually kind of cool, because I, like I, the first Kirby I played was like way back on Game Boy, the original Kirby's Dreamland. Kirby Mega Collection wasn't enough. 
for the history. I never had Kirby Mega Collection, which not isn't Mega, a thing. Not you, meant triple, you meant uh, Kirby whatever. Super Duper Deluxe Amazing Edition. It's uh, not a Kirby theater. Superstar Deluxe. No. Kirby, no. I'm talking about... On DS, the, I know. No, I'm talking about the Wii game. Oh, Kirby Dream Collection. Sure. Kirby's Dream Collection, yeah. yeah. I thought you were talking about Kirby Superstar Deluxe Ultra. I think that's the Which, Super by the way, does have enough names. It gives you a Superstar Deluxe. No, it's Ultra. It's it's on the shelf. Yeah, I'm looking. No, it's behind the this 3DS games. This is Captivating games. Podcast. <laughs> behind uh, the 3DS games. Yeah, I'm looking. Be, behind the 3DS. Oh, I have to move them? Forget that. I thought you meant, like, behind... Like, never mind. Well, that was a Captivating <laughs> Minute. I'm glad everyone sat through that. Thank you. No, but, um... Yeah, no, but this is, like... Well, it's almost like the trophies from Smash Brothers, from what I gather. Because you find them in the levels, you collect them, they're kind of hidden away... Go ahead and look. Jose just like quietly got up and walked over to see what the well, name is. Curious. It's Kirby Superstar Deluxe Ultra. No, it's just, no, it's just Kirby Superstar Ultra. Oh, I added Deluxe. Yeah. I, I took I, the trip. I took Kirby I like Triple better. Deluxe and tacked it onto that one. Yeah. Triple Deluxe, I think, still sounds like a McDonald's. <laughs> Can I get a Kirby Triple Deluxe with extra cheese? Like it just sounds. Yeah. But anyway, they harvest Kirby and put him into Burger Pies. It's really quite sad, actually. But no. Um. What was I gonna say? Yeah, so they're basically, these keychains are kind of like trophies in Smash Bros. And the neat thing is, so you can find them, but they're also going to be swappable via um, Street Pass. So if you don't... Like have, a if, copy of them, or like one yeah, you found? Um, I don't know. I would assume a copy. It's probably... It reminds me of, like, the Street Fighter Four figurines, or, like, the Tekken cards, or whatever they did. Right, you make a team of them, and you... No, no, well, just the fact that you collect them. And, you can, oh. and that's what's traded in a... Street Pass. Fine. Better example would be yeah, Dead or Alive. Yeah, because you don't Street Fighter. Fine. Better example of Dead or Alive cards. Oh, no. Those battle, too. The Tekken figurines. Nope. Those there, battles. <laughs> there were cards in Dead or Alive? Weren't there? I don't remember cards. I think they're one of the fighting... <laughs> <laughs> I think you just fight, like, whatever no, character they use the, the most or whatever. One of the fighting games on 3DS has cards, because they didn't want to do figurines, because that'd be too blatantly knocking off Street Fighter, but I don't remember what it was. Either way. They're, tro- they're huh. trophies from Smash Bros. They can admire and look at. And they have, like, all the different Kirbys. Like, one of the key chains is going to be of the, the mass attack pile of ten Kirbys and stuff like that. And you can look at them and whatnot. So, it's a minor thing, but it's kind of a cool history lesson for people that may be familiar with Kirby, but not all the ins and outs of every single character. And don't own Dream Collection, because I see you're about to say that. <laughs> uh, but on top of all that, just a couple other quick things about Kirby. Um... There's going to be some stages that require motion control where you tilt the 3DS. Surprise, surprise. I guarantee 3D effect will turn off at those moments. Um, the tilt and tumble level? I don't know. I think they mean... Like it, you know, if they did tilt and tumble, I read, when I read it, I interpreted it as more like a Yoshi... Oh, what's it called? On Game Touch Boy Advance. No, on Game Boy Advance. Yoshi... Roll... Yoshi... We're really bad with game <laughs> names today. It's the Yoshi I game for know. Game Boy Advance by R-Tune. And the whole point of the game is you use the gyro to tilt those level... Like, it's like... The level's like a level, like, you know, to tell if things are straight. And they just tilt the Game Boy left to right, and, and Yoshi kind of rolls down. I've never heard of that game. Oh. It's, never. no, it's it's a thing. What's okay, it? Googling Yoshi roll gets me sushi. <laughs> well, that makes uh, sense. Yoshi Topsy Turvy. Oh, there we go. that name does ring a bell. Yeah, and the whole point of the game is you roll, like, you're on this ball. You're on this giant stone ball thing, and you're rolling Yoshi around, like, the stage, back and forth. Oh, so that's why so did I get that game? when I I because it got horrible reviews when I um, me before I know that's true but when I heard the description for these Kirby levels I assumed oh it's probably like that where you tilt left and right and Kirby in a little ball just rolls down the stage kind of like Canvas Curse but without a stylus 
But if it was like tilt and tumble where it's like kind of top down mini golf controlled with a, gy- a gyro, that'd be cool. Mini golf. Well, tilt and tum- you're talking about dream course now. No, no, tilt and tumble had looked like it was set up kind of like oh, mini yeah, golf yeah. where you yeah, went you, to holes at the end. Well, dream course was full on mini golf, but tilt and tumble kind of you like went down at mini golf. Fine, not mini golf. But that, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, so really that's how. I, but if it was gyro technology, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Game Boy Advance gyro, or Game Boy Color gyro was actually really good. Well, the gyro on the cartridge. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, I meant that era's gyro. No, but, um, and on top of that, there's going to be some mini-games starring King... I recommend King. that game if you can find it. Good luck with that. <laughs> but there's also going to be mini-games in Kirby Triple Deluxe starring King DDD for up to four players. And King is not the bad guy this, kind, this time around. He's kidnapped, and you have to apparently rescue him. Oh, he was so. the bad guy in the last two games, but before that, I don't think he was. He keeps flip-flopping. He doesn't know what he is. He keeps he switching was, sides. He, yeah, He's less consistent than Bowser. Yeah, Bowser for the most part only terrorizes yeah. and steals. If it's not an people. RPG, it's Bowser. Yeah, for the most part. And then when it is an RPG, it's Bowser going, acting something <laughs> like a wimp for some reason and being yeah. Anyway, so that's what's coming for. That's what's coming for uh, what? 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 Huh? No. That's what's coming for Kirby Triple Deluxe. Um, overall, to me, it kind of sounds like a normal Kirby game, like we were saying at the top of this. Like it's not that exciting but the twist could be good like if the gyro levels turn out kind of like you were saying it's tilt and tumble that'd be really cool but what i find interesting is it's coming out in japan really soon but nintendo hasn't said anything about america yet whatsoever so i don't know what's gonna happen with that but i imagine we'll have it by the end of march nintendo's only announced games through february if this is done in japan in january why would they hold it past march there's no need and there's no games because they can but there's no other games coming out they might as well so I'm curious to learn more. I'll put it at that. Like I don't, I'm not expecting huge things, but Kirby games are fun, even if they're a bit uh, uh, monotonous. Yeah, monotonous. Thank you. So, so that's what's coming from Nintendo. Core Kirby games. What the thing? You know what's the thing about yeah, Kirby not, games? Not, not the creative. Yeah, experimental that's Kirby the thing games. about Kirby games. That's annoying. those games are all great. Yeah, that's the thing that's weird about Kirby games is they have like this crazy like let's do canvas curse and tilt and tumble and mass attack and all that on one side of Nintendo and then on the other side of Nintendo they're like have we have we thought of adding a bell power up? It'll be the same game but with a bell. Like it's so weird how there's like super generic and super creative for the same franchise. Yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll see how this one turns out. This is definitely leaning more towards the generic, but we'll see. Take your break from first party games though. There was one um, indie game of note actually. So I kind of wanted to touch on this as a Kickstarter campaign. Well, there's actually two games that are non-Nintendo worth mentioning. One's a Kickstarter campaign and one's just uh, out news from Japan that involves Nintendo. So then we'll talk about the thing that... Uh, check out this tease. We'll talk about the thing that left everyone a little cranky. Okay. Kong. No, it doesn't work when I say Kong. Um, but So first, those two third-party games. So first up is that Kickstarter game. It's kind of interesting because on the show we've talked a lot about, like, oh, all these... Uh, RPG, old-school RPGs, all these side-scrollers, many of which are either hand-drawn and or pixel art, and nothing else. That's what indie is. But this one's super ambitious. It's actually a full 3D platformer. It's being modeled after the games of Rareware, so, you know, Banjo-Kazooie and whatnot. That's and... not the Hat in Time? What? Well, no, not Hat. Hat in Time's almost more like... Because that's what they kept saying, oh, it's Banjo-Kazooie. Did they? Banjo-Kazooie. I don't remember saying that. Except in episode form, but it's Banjo-Kazooie. And we even got the 
writer for the songs of Banjo Kazooie in the game. Oh, really? I wow. I think I, they got him to compose like one song or something. I totally missed that boat. I know about Hat in Time, but I thought it was like because it looks so Zelda. It looks so Wind Waker-y. That I, yeah, I, I guess I never connected the dots. Oh. Well, no. Well, well, I mean, I've just been watching the videos. But, I mean, it's, it hasn't been confirmed for Wii U or anything. That's why. Right. We, oh, right. Yeah. That's why we haven't covered it on the show. Yeah. yeah. So they want as to, soon as, but, as soon as it's confirmed, we'll they just want it. a publisher of something. Yeah, because that's the thing with that's the thing with Kickstarter and just like how we cover it is there's so many projects that could potentially come to Nintendo but don't or like you never know so it's kind of like we can't cover them yeah. all so that was just one of the yeah. more promising looking ones they have. Yeah, it does look promising for sure, and this one does too actually, and this one also I guess is cut from the same let's be like Banjo Kazooie cloth, and it's uh it's called The Legend of Lobo Destroyo versus I'll Let You Six. It's in Spanish, and you could probably say Spanish better than I can. La Liga de los Villanos. Yeah. The League of Villains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know why it's in Spanish. The whole game kind of has like a southwest U.S. Mexico vibe. Like there's like coyotes and wolves and they're all dressed in bandanas and hat, cowboy hats and yeah. But uh, yeah, so the game basically you control a member of a wolf pack who protects this, um, the guardian of this world called Costa so Lucha. Wolf. You're a wolf. You're a wolf. You're an right. anthropomorphic wolf. You're banjo but as a wolf instead of a bear. Like, he kind of looks like... So he walks on two legs. What? So, yeah, he walks on oh, two right. legs. Yeah. So you're walking on two legs wolf that is in charge of protecting the guy that's in charge of protecting the world of Costa Lucha. Right. All right. Yeah, and what happens is the rest of the wolf pack suddenly goes missing. So all your co-workers, I guess, <laughs> all your associates, um, they, they, they up and vanish. So it's up to players to go between nine, I believe nine, different environment, different, like, interconnected but independent worlds much like Banjo Kazooie, and collect all the items in those worlds and beat the boss in that world and then progress to the next world and do that every single time until you find... Each world has one of the different wolves and you find them all and you beat the boss. And they take a cue from Mega Man in that when you beat the boss, you take the boss's ability. So you kind of work up your character's new set of skills by being each boss and stealing their move. That's so, yeah, so it's kind of like... It's Banjo Kazooie with a little Mega Man thrown in. Yeah. And I mean, I'm really interested in it for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that Banjo Kazooie is awesome. Just putting it out there. Banjo-Tooie, good, but Banjo-Kazooie, awesome. And if this is looking, from what I've seen of the footage, this looks a little closer to Banjo-Kazooie in terms of collect-a-thon amount versus, say, Donkey Kong 64, where they went bananas. bananas. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we both thought it, yeah. But they did. They went a little too crazy with collectibles in Donkey Kong 64, and this one seems to be more in, in line with earlier Rare games where they weren't like, what if we had 18 <laughs> things you collect every five minutes? So. Yeah. But, uh, so if that's the case, then that should be super fun. And not only that, but this game clearly is made by diehard gamers that know their stuff. I mean, when he there's a screenshot that's been circulated where he, uh, he gets a token, and it says, token get, with two exclamation marks. Now, I don't know how many people remember this from Super Mario Sunshine, but when oh. it came out in Japan... You know, in uh, the U.S. where you get a shine in Mario Sunshine, it go and Mario does his little spin move, and it goes shine on the screen, like it just says the word shine. In Japan, and this was kind of became a little meme within the Nintendo community back in 2002. It says shine get with two exclamation marks, and everyone had fun poking fun at the English of it all and whatnot. So this game references that. That's like a what 11, almost 12 year old reference now. And they and they reference it and, like they, and they do it right. Even like the angle of the camera and the way the, the token hovers above him is identical. Oh, it's pretty impressive. Another one that for. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, this has my interest. <laughs> Just because of that. Yeah, pretty much. Because yeah. like if they're doing that sort of fan service, like if they're doing oh. that level of referencing and video game like fan service, and they're showing it off already, I'm, there's probably all sorts of stuff tucked in there. I bet there's all sorts of little banter because references. Oh, if, they if, they Jinjo, good as references I if they have a Jinjo, if they have a Jinjo in this game. 
I will definitely buy it. You know what I'm talking about? From yeah, the, the, the one that you always try to imitate their voice. Yeah. When I was little, I could do it. The little ginger, wee! When I was a little kid, I nailed it. So good at it. I seriously was like, I should just become a ginger as my <laughs> adult, for, in my adult life. I should well, just do well, that. could have been Banjo-Kazooie 3, but... Banjo-3 EE? Yeah. Before it became nuts and bolts? Yep. Yeah. But no, that that was my childhood dream, was being a ginger. A blue one in particular, or an orange one. But you know the problem being a ginger is you don't get to leave where you're standing. You're just kind of stuck there for eternity until a bear with a bird on his back yeah, comes and rescues you. Yeah, but where do you fly to? They never show where they go. They just disappear into the clouds. They come back in the final boss. But where are they in the interim? What are they doing in the sky? And what? how do they not know a plane won't hit them? Where are they? I don't. Do they go to space? Do they go to Jinjo planet? I don't. Where do they go? They, um, they go into code world. They turn into code. <laughs> See, that's not, a good, that's not a good thing to aspire to then. So I'll be this little guy that can't move. And then all I can say is Jinjo Wee. And I go flying into the sky in a spark of light. And turn into zeros and ones, only to then reappear at the final boss, and then disappear forever when they take the cartridge out. That is not a good life to live. Oh, they're happy. Yeah, that's true. They don't know better. Anyway, this is a weird tangent. So, um, yeah, so... Lobo Killer. Lobo Destroyo. Lobo Killer. Lobo Destroyo is, uh, it did meet its Wii U stretch goal. So that means it's definitely coming to the system, but it probably won't be for a few months because the game was initially funded as part of Ouya's uh, game developer fund, where they give money to indies to bring games to Ouya, the end, you know that ninety nine dollar Android console. So uh, it's gonna be on Ouya, but they can, it's being built with Unity, the same Unity that Nintendo gives out for free for Wii U developers. So they they think they can pour it over in as little as four months. So whenever it finally comes to Ouya, we'll have it a couple months after that, which isn't so, or a few months after that, which isn't so bad. Pretty cool. So yeah, I'm excited about that one. Uh, and it's just like, it's nice because it's so different from most indie games. Like, it's not side-scrolling and flat. Which I understand they do for budgetary reasons. But that's also why I like Armillo a lot. Which, if you recall in our Indiecade episode back in October, I was hyping up like crazy. Because it was like, full 3D, kind of Mario Galaxy meets Monkey Ball. It's just like, those 3D experiences. I just think, you know, I obviously, it, you could go, well, they just have more money to work with. But... They're just more ambitious, yeah. I guess. Not yeah. to diss the 2D games. Those are great. There are some really great no, no, Shovel Knight looks amazing. But no, it's yeah, just but like... You, you, the, tend, you tend to have certain expectations from indie games the moment you hear indie games. Yeah, and it's like 2D side-scrolling yeah. RPG and or platformer with some puzzle elements or some throwback to Final Fantasy games or something. Yeah. Yep. But not to diss them because they have an audience and in many cases I like those games too and like I had a blast playing them on IndieCade back in October but it's just nice to have variety. So the other bit of third-party news before we jump back to uh, Cranky Kong is over in Japan, Nintendo and Capcom are once again doing an interesting cross-promotion for Monster Hunter. So as you may recall, as you probably do recall, say, since you're a Monster Hunter fanatic, there are Mario and Luigi and Link costumes in Monster Hunter that 4 we still don't have here. on 3DS. Well, we first need Monster Hunter 4 over here before we can have the costumes for it. Unless you want them to just release, like, costumes that just kind of float around the internet and don't have a destination. They promise to give us games eventually. They will. They never. They there's all of 2014, you know. But in Japan, one game, one game that isn't coming here is Monster Hunter Frontier G, which is the MMO Monster Hunter that originally launched on PC and I believe Xbox 360 in like 2008. Yeah. Then came to PS3 and Wii U. And what they're doing for the Wii U edition is there will now be Fire Emblem co- costumes for Chrom and Lucina. That was Chrom. I think it's Chrom. There's no E at the end. I don't know. I haven't played that game. I don't remember. I think it's Chrom. We'll go with and Kron. Lucina. I, Lucina I'm more unsure of the pronunciation of. But Krom, I'm pretty sure it's Krom. Anyway. Awakening characters. Yes. Two of the Awakening characters. So you can dress up as them and go play online as 
these two characters <laughs> whose names shall not be named anymore. And, uh, you know, it's exclusive to the Wii U version. It's a nice little extra selling point. And I think more than anything else, it really shows that... It really kind of demonstrates that whole strategy I've always been talking about with Nintendo, where they're not going to money-hat developers. They're going to form partnerships where it makes sense for both. Like with Ubisoft, they put Mario and Luigi costumes in Rayman Legends. With Monster Hunter, they're doing all these different costumes, and they were popular. Mario and Luigi and Link ones created quite a buzz over in Japan. And the game's now sold, like, 4 million copies or something. I think they passed 4 million. So, which is funny, because, like, a month ago on the podcast, they were saying how they just passed 3 million, and now they're up to 4. But, uh, point being, so, like, this is the sort of stuff, like, harvesting these relationships and whatnot. It makes sense Nintendo does this, and it does show that them and Capcom are still pretty close if they're doing it again. So, so there's that. Let's just see if it makes it to America. But, of course... The game that you've all been waiting for, because I've only been referencing it for about five minutes now, is uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which probably had the most buzz of any new game details since our last episode, and that was because it was featured on VGX, Spike TV's three-hour live stream extravaganza, bizarre talk show slash awards show slash uncensored rap concert slash Joel McHale making fun of everything for three-hour fest slash... Amount of slashes. Anyway, so uh, Donkey Kong was there. They announced that uh, the game's going to come out on February 21st, which, yep. you know, they said February, so they're staying true to that. And they also revealed uh, good old Cranky Kong. And it's actually interesting because there was a week of build-up to what Nintendo's going to show at VGX. We talked about, actually two weeks, we talked about it on the last episode, like, it makes sense for Nintendo to announce something big, like show X or show Smash Bros or something. All Nintendo ever said, and, like, the hype was totally not their fault, all Nintendo ever said is they're showing off a previously announced game. All Jeff Keighley said was it'd be a worldwide premiere. Technically it was. It was the first footage of Cranky Kong. He's right. It was the world premiere of Cranky Kong footage. But, and then the internet just went wild with it because there's, like, all these teases, like, Reggie was showing, like, the Master Sword in his office in an Instagram video through Nintendo's account, like, a couple days before, and there was word out of, um, people were bringing up the old story of, oh, at New York Comic Con, E.G. Anuma had the Zelda series saying they were going to show a new Zelda, but they decided to wait. So it's like, oh, they were waiting for VGX, obviously. Like, there's serious buzz that it's going to be a new Zelda. And then Reggie gets on stage yeah. with his buddy. Jeff from... tweeting, oh, I have no idea. Yeah, and then just like, I don't know, Nintendo's being so mysterious, which makes you think it's probably something big. And like then, again, we don't know. Yeah, we don't even know. Nintendo's so secretive. And then they get on stage, and it's Reggie and a guy from Retro Studios who looks scared out of his mind. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I don't blame him. It was like a multi a, a broadcast on a ton of different websites, watched by millions of people, presumably. Um, and they showed Cranky Kong for ten minutes. Ten minutes of Cranky Kong. That was it. Now, it's not to say that's bad. I mean, Cranky Kong is actually... It's a lot of game footage, if you think about it. It was. They show, well, it wasn't entirely footage. It was ten, They were up there for ten minutes, but they talked and they... Oh. What not. There are two no, no, that's show. the only part of VGX that I saw. <laughs> I watched the whole thing, and I'm not entirely sure why. But we'll get to VGX itself in a minute. Let's do Cranky Kong first, I guess. Because that that's the most Nintendo-relevant news. But VGX yeah. as a whole was before, an interesting um, experiment. Before the cover got leaked and people started assuming it was Cranky Kong, I actually thought they were going to do a bigger ape just to compliment it. Like, oh, two big apes and two little apes. Oh, right. Apes. Like, so, like bring back Kitty Kong so, from DKC3? Well, not just Kitty Kong, or maybe Funky Kong. Just like give you another option besides Donkey Kong for the heavy guy. Because well, now you have two little... Options. I think there's a reason for that. And that's that in single player with Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze, and I believe this is true of Returns as well, when you're playing single player, the secondary characters still play a role. They... 
like you used them at the right times for their abilities, like Dixie's hair whip or well, yeah, Diddy's but jet. I mean, but that's if you're playing. I mean, right? But you can't every, have a every, giant every, Kong every, on top every, of a giant Kong. No, the, I know. Well, that's the thing. Like the way I thought, every level still has to be designed for you to beat it with just Donkey Kong. I mean, right. you just have to. You can't. Well, no, 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 no. No, you you can because that's what I'm saying. No, that, that's a, that's a, you can beat it without. I mean. Every level has to be designed so that you could only beat it with Donkey Kong. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Single player and Tropical Freeze. And they made a point of this at VGS. Why is it a different game when you play multiplayer? It's, no, no, no. It's the same game as single player and multiplayer. How it works is in multiplayer, one person controls each Kong, right? So, you, yeah, you could have your giant ape alongside DK. You could have Kitty. You could have Funky. You could have... What's Lanky, if you want? From, no. uh... <laughs> no. But, uh... But his arms are like rubber. But, uh... In single player... What, they're, what they say now is you have Donkey Kong and then there's a secondary character that will ride on his back be it Diddy, Dixie, or Cranky. No, no, that's that what all the game was. Right, and you pop him off the back and use him to, to pass a certain point. And there will be barrels throughout the level and you can actually swap the characters at the barrel. So you could be, you could have one character and then switch out for another and then go back and do whatever you need to do. So it's to like Yoshi Island, yes. Not to that extent. I don't know if it's gonna be like you. I know what you're saying, where it's like you, you don't need them to beat the level, and that might be true. But there's no, gonna be well, stuff. Well, there's gonna be Kong letters. There's gonna be bananas. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean there's only certain things that those Kongs could. Oh get. yeah, yeah. But I mean, no. Yeah, but so Cranky's abilities. I always thought like the difficulty thing, like oh, like if two people want to go with two big apes, they're not gonna have the extra support or extra life that you get when you have the little monkey on them. Because I mean, when you have the little true. monkey on you, the game. You have the much, extra heart, yeah. And you also get like a. Uh, a save me ability like Diddy gives you like, a right, better jump right. Dixie will give you a little save I don't know what fly. Cranky's gonna give you though he gives you the pogo jump well he gives you the pogo jump is it when he's on your back still yeah. oh okay I thought he was, I thought it was separate for some reason no. wow yeah like, like I was watching footage I just saw his cane that cane yeah, really that... strong to support both him <laughs> and Dr. Seriously. but yeah that's his new ability since we didn't actually outright say it is he Scrooge McDuck from DuckTales. He basically over spikes over any obstacle that DK, Diddy, and Dixie can't touch. He can jump mm. off of in a pogo stick fashion. So, it's a, I mean, it's a handy move. It's just blatantly Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But, um, and it's actually, uh, we all, Game Informer, kind of coincided with VGX, also touched on a few things about Donkey Kong. Specifically, there's going to be six to seven stages in each of the game's six islands. So, you can do the math. 36 to 42 stages in all, plus secret levels. Um, you, there is one secret level per island if you get the Kong letters, of course. Uh, like all or the Kong, Kong pearls? Are there going to be Kong pearls? Pearls. There were pearls in the other game. But you still have to spell K-O-N-G. Yeah, and then there was also puzzle pieces, and then there was a pearl, and if you get all the pearls, you unlock like a secret level. Oh, well, maybe end. it's... I think Game Force like said the, collect the Kong. Remember there was like a golden banana pyramid? I won't yeah, spoil, yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't spoil what's behind it because the 3DS version just came out, so I guess that still makes it kind of recent. Yeah. Back in May, at least. But, uh, so yeah, there's going to be 36 to 42 levels. Um, each world, obviously, will have a different theme. And for some reason, Nintendo told Game, Game Informer every single theme. Which is like, why would you spoil that? But we are seeing stuff like World 1 will be um, kind of rainforesty. World what 3 is going to be kind of a Sahara desert, like African desert with lots of orange and brown. And silhouetted levels. And level 4, World 4 is going to be a lot of water stages, etc., etc. But they revealed all of them. It's just like, why would you... Yeah. Why would you do that? So, um, I have to admit, though, regardless of Cranky Kong just stealing Scrooge McDuck's move, regardless of maybe wanting a bigger Kong to compliment DK instead of having three little guys, the game is actually starting to look really good now. Like, I don't know if it was because I was watching the stream in 1080p and all the trailers I saw on my laptop were, like, not 1080p or something, but it's not, it's not obviously quite as, like, visually impressive in my mind to say the lighting in 
uh, Super Mario 3D World. But, and I keep making that comparison, which is dumb because they're different art styles. I know that. But it is starting to come into its own. Like, the worlds themselves have this kind of cool... It also has, like, a Skyward Sword sort of painting filter over the world. Like, they're sort of cel-shaded, but they're sort of, like... They look kind of painted, but it's more detailed than Skyward Sword because they obviously have the resolution to do it. But it has kind of that same, like, crafted, watercolory look. And then the characters are kind of plopped mm. on top and look super detailed, and you can, like, see all their fur and stuff. Toony. I like how yeah. they all look. Yeah, it's... it's I think the delay was good because, honestly, the last footage we saw prior to VGX, it looked kind of like an really? up-resed... When we oh. played it at Best Buy during E3 at the yeah. Nintendo experience, Donkey Kong himself looked amazing. Like, the fur looked really good and Diddy oh, and Dixie, but put, the world could... felt really the same, just not oh, at the same... Because when I played it at Comic-Con, I thought it looked really good. I didn't think it looked any better now than it did at Comic-Con. Oh, I didn't really play it. I didn't get I a chance to play it at Comic-Con. I played, a, I played it in June. The Minecraft, Minecraft, the Minecraft level, the swimming. You built your there. own DK Island in Minecraft. Yeah, no, it looked the same. Oh, in a well, good maybe way, I'm crazy, I mean, but yeah, I think I, I guess especially because um, they also had that level where they show off the camera spinning and like how the world see that stuff looked cool. But I just thought like the level design itself, like it was kind of. Well, I mean, it was a completely different level. This level was meant to show off how the level like moves around you. No, no, I don't even mean that. I just mean like there was one part where they jump at the start of level. They like plop down, and there's like a rock behind, like a stone wall behind them, and just the detail on the stone wall just looked. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but whatever it is, I'm correcting or updating everyone on my views of the graphics compared to last episode when I was saying it didn't look quite as good as it could. Now oh. I think it looks better. Now that I've seen it in 1080p on my giant new 46 inch TV. Yeah, I was streaming. By the way. That's awesome that Twitch does this. I was streaming VGX to my 46-inch TV through the Wii U in full 1080p with zero lag. It was literally like I was just watching TV. It was actually... Yeah, there should be. Yeah, it was super cool. Like, that. that's when I realized, whoa, we don't need cable anymore, like, as a society. <laughs> like, we can go to just TV over the internet. Like, it works. It works great. I think I had one stutter at one point and one resolution drop, but it was, like, for a second. So, that's, that's beside the point, though. Um... The bigger point is VGX as a whole. So first, Donkey Kong, February 21st. It's Nintendo's big uh, winter game. So their only Wii U game coming out between now and the end of February, as far as I know. So, yeah. yeah. So it certainly won't get buried in an avalanche of other games, I can tell you that. But um, And Cranky Kong will single-handedly save the Wii U. Oh, that's the other thing I was going to say. Well, we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, Cranky Kong is going to single-handedly save the Wii U, is my theory. He's not. That was a lie. Uh, the other thing I was going to bring up, though, is VGX itself and Nintendo's role in the event. I mean, for the, first of all, for those wondering, Nintendo actually won some awards at VGX. They won uh, Best Casual Game for Animal Crossing New Leaf. New Leaf. They won be- more casual than that. Yeah. Well, Wii Sports. They, Wii Fit. They won, well, be- yeah. they won Best Handheld Game for Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds. And it's not a category they're bound to win because Tearaway for PlayStation Vita was also in that category. And they won a category I didn't think they had any chance in whatsoever, which was Best Nintendo Game. Nintendo won Best Nintendo Game. Shock. They, uh, the specific game that won is Mario 3D World. So, uh, well, I mean, what was it really competing with? I have no idea. Other Nintendo games? 101? Pro- no, it's probably Zelda, Pikmin Animal 3? Crossing, and like Pikmin 3 or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, it was, that's obviously going to win. I can't believe they have a category Best Nintendo. They don't have Best Xbox or Best PlayStation, but they have Best Nintendo. They should just give Mario 3D World the award. Or they should just have the Mario, or, or, they should have or, the or Mario 3D Mario World game, yeah. for Mario 3D World. But, or whatever 3D Mario game is out of it that time. Yeah, so, I mean, congrats to Nintendo on winning a category that's named after them. 
I guess. But no, the bigger thing that I think is important about VGX is the whole di- like Nintendo trying to deliver on the expectations of fans because there was that whole drum up of Nintendo's going to announce this huge thing and that was Cranky Kong. So, first of all, Cranky Kong, if we didn't know it was going to happen, would have been a much cooler surprise. But because it was leaked, kind of put a damper on it. But I think the... Uh, they really were at a disadvantage because of the hype going into it. Like they, I don't think they are purposely teasing with the Zelda video on Instagram and whatnot of the Master Sword, but it's certainly it was just him showing his office. Yeah, that's what he was doing. But he did it three days. Ash. Yeah, but he on that figurine. Yeah, yeah but he did weird. it three days before VGX at a time when everyone's speculating Zelda's gonna be announced. Like, where are the odds that Nintendo in those in that little window of a couple days is gonna go? There's gonna be always fans going, "Oh, there's gonna be a new Zelda," and then Reggie's gonna be like. Hey guys, I just happened to have a Master Sword here. Check it out. From the this has commercial. no bearing on anything because we're not announcing. Like, I'm just showing you a Master Sword. Don't mind me. Like, I'll, there's no context to it, really. They're just like, here's a Master Sword. Yeah, no, it wasn't him just. It was, everything is in, in his office showed his Ganondorf statue. Also, Zelda. Every, everything he showed was Zelda. He showed some other Pokemon st- cards. Pokemon. Oh, that's true. Well, those were. No, those were in a. Different. Those were in the background of a different photo or something. No, they were on video. the desk next to the master sword. master sword. Right, and they were focusing on the master sword. Well, they I'm, can. I mean, it's the biggest. No, thing I know. There. I know. From the set of a commercial. I'm, sa- I'm not I mean, saying Nintendo did something wrong. I mean, I get what they're it's trying obviously to do. Obviously, the most impressive thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know that. It's just funny that like when fans were running, when rumors were running rampant that there'd be a new Zelda, that Nintendo would just oh. casually be like, "Yeah, no bearing on anything, but here's some Zelda stuff." Like, where are the odds? Like, obviously, it was just a mis understanding and people buy into any sort of little piece of news they think they can get i just thought it was really fun funny timing but um yeah so to nintendo's credit with the donkey kong thing they did act they probably got exactly what they wanted out of it with cranky kong being announced i mean cranky kong was the number two worldwide trending topic on twitter for the majority of vgx it was like vgx was number one worldwide across any topic vgx was number one Cranky Kong was number two, and it kind of sat like that for quite a while. So maybe we didn't like Cranky Kong, like we as the core gamers that already knew about it and thought it wasn't good enough news. Maybe we're like, we want more, we want more. But people that didn't necessarily know all that much about it happening were like flipping out and like, oh my god, Cranky Kong. So, like, I saw some, I was looking through the, the just random tweets when it happened, and there's so many people like, oh, that old monkey from the Super Nintendo game is playable now? God, get a Wii U. I'm not even kidding, there are like four tweets that said that. So. Oh. It's working on some level, but um, it worked. Yeah, the thing is, the thing is, I don't understand why Nintendo didn't do something new in addition to that. Cranky Kong launch leaked the Monday before VGX. They had five or six days. I should do that math quickly, should I? <laughs> they had five or six days to figure out what to announce alongside Cranky Kong. Like they could have easily, it could have just been Reggie saying a sentence like, "We're developing X." Well, not X. That's a real game. We're developing this game or that game. Like, when asked about Metroid, he could have just said, yes, there's a new Metroid coming, and just left it at that, and fans would be like, what? And freaked out. Instead, he artfully dodged. He almost slipped up. He's like, of course, yes, we are, or, uh, we never, you never know. But he started saying, of course, but that's, obviously, they're making a Metroid game. I have to listen to that again. But I will, what? I said I have to listen to that again. Yeah, he literally is like, Jeff Keighley is like, so Metroid? And he's like, of course, you never know. <laughs> so... But I will give Jeff Keighley credit because, I mean, I think he was pretty annoyed that Nintendo didn't really have anything new to share. Because he went, he kind of, like, really pried at Reggie to get something out of him. Like, it wasn't just a simple, like, so anything else, Reggie? He was like, but the fans want more, Reggie. And at one point, Reggie's even like, Jeff, you're going off prompter. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to be saying this. <laughs> but, but, I mean, at the same time, Nintendo kind of knew what they were doing. I mean, to have Reggie wear a pin for Metroid. I'm not saying they're alluding to a new Metroid. 
But it's weird where it's like, hey, here's Retro Studios, the guys that make Donkey Kong. I'm now wearing a Metroid pin to represent the other game they're not working on and has nothing to do with this current segment. It's just kind of a weird... Mm, he pin, said it was an homage the, to The pins usually are pretty... Um, they usually tie in directly. DPN, they usually revolve around whatever they're doing. Exactly. The Pikmin 3 patches, the Zelda pins for A Link Between Worlds, they usually tie in. So the fact that Metroid was there, I think it's supposed to be a hint. But who knows? Uh, and I def- But either way, I definitely think... First of all, thank you, Jeff, for at least... Jeff Keighley, for at least trying to get them to say something. And more to the point, I think Nintendo really did miss the boat here. They missed an opportunity. Because the thing is... They don't attend a ton... There are not a ton of events, even if they were to attend, for, like, the general population. Like, big gamer events for all gamers, opposed to just Nintendo-specific stuff. You know, there's only one or two a year. There's, like, E3 and there's this. There's VGX or what was VGAs. So, Nintendo could have really gone big with something, right? Like, they could have X, they could have Smash Bros, kind of like I was saying earlier. But instead, they just went with something that most people heard through the grapevine or kind of whatever about. Or, they didn't hear through the grapevine... But the news wasn't news to everyone. It was only to like a ham, you know, only to like half the audience. So it was a letdown for half the audience instead of being great news for the entire audience. And I, I think I actually wrote an extra about this on the site, kind of uh, just focusing on like how Nintendo makes their announcements these days. It's really honed in on Nintendo Directs and whether those actually work or not. But um, VGX kind of factors into that because with Directs, Nintendo's basically. I mean, let's be honest. With the direct, with the Nintendo Directs, they're preaching to the choir. Nintendo fans tune in. Nintendo fans get news. Nintendo fans talk about the news with other Nintendo fans, and maybe their friends. So there might be, like, a slight viralness to it, but nowhere near what Nintendo wants. These videos do not get a ton of views, and as I explained in the article, they, uh, they're the most views they get are from the eShops. They're definitely preaching to the choir. Like, people that have Nintendo systems are the ones watching, not people that would go, oh, that's a cool game, and go buy a system. So to be at VGX, one of the rare opportunities where PlayStation and Xbox people are watching what Nintendo's doing, you would think they'd kind of go really go for it instead just be like yeah hey here's why you should get a Wii U Cranky Kong they were so, nervous I don't think they were nervous they were definitely not they nervous pressure. no but uh, see pressured Nintendo panic Nintendo's best Nintendo normally so well then I guess they were nervous I they were not. so confident that Cranky was enough and yeah probably walked away going like we did awesome job but yeah I mean yeah I mean they saw they probably saw the trending topic and it was like mission accomplished but uh, more to the point, though, this this article I wrote about, like, directs and whatnot, uh, def- I encourage all of you to go check it out on the site. It's called The Direct Problem. And it actually got some really good feedback around the web. I was kind of kind of shocked. It Multiple sites, we put up on, you know, listed on multiple sites and got a good mix of comments. Some positive, fun, some negative, some agree, some disagree. But to me, it's just exciting that so many people got talking about. Like, the fact that I was able to write something that so many people were like, oh, yeah, I, that's a really good point, or oh, that's a horrible point, whatever they think the fact that they took the time to talk about it i that's that's really cool to me as the guy that wrote it and i mean even some japanese site covered it like as a news story like hey there's this article and here's a summary of it so it's it's definitely it's definitely rewarding to have that happen and more point i it's just you know if people are talking about it clear there's something of value in there so i encourage you all to check it out and see for yourself and please share your thoughts in the comments we actually have some good comments down there so chime in let, let me know what you think of the article um VGX does factor into that, as I said, but then there was VGS, VGX itself, the non-Nintendo parts of it, just straight up this new format. It used to be kind of a VMA-style award show. Now it's a live stream with awards that are given to an empty room with no audience, which is weird. It's very weird to be like, and the winner is Last of Us, and no one claps. <laughs> it's just, it was strange. The VGAs. the VGAs were like straight up like the Video Music Awards, but for video games. 
like crazy like giant sets that were all it's themed around different really things. Them, they were entertaining in a weird way. Like they were super like aimed at the dude bro audience, you know, like the Call of Duty guys and whatnot. Oh. But and the you know the Gears of War fans. Is that where a Madden won Game of the Year? Yeah, Madden won Game of the Year in two thousand three, I think. Yeah. Huh. But uh, but I think VGX he like probably deserves it. No. <laughs> but I, I, I never played Madden 2003. You know, well, I, let me tell you, it's certainly better than Madden 1995 or 95, or whatever it was called. Was well, it around in 95? I would assume they get better every year. Not necessarily. Apparently, the Madden from this past year kind of screwed a bunch of stuff up because they changed a bunch of mechanics. But that's beside the point. VGX is the point. Uh, so they <laughs> oh, changed. Wait, what are we doing talking yeah, about I, sports? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we can't talk about sports on a video game podcast. That's like. That's like asking a physicist a biology question. They don't have the answers. Wrong department. But, um, yeah, VGX. So, I was just going to say that, yeah, VGAs were kind of weird in that they were trying really hard to be like an MTV-style award show. So, VGX feels like a better fit. Like, I really, I actually really liked the format. I thought it was, you know, it made sense. And, like, in the sense of it's it's like a talk show with some other stuff thrown in. And trailers and reveals. I thought it was really good on that level. The thing that what... Yeah, well, here's the thing. First, um, they definitely have some kinks to work out. Like, getting Joel a hook. No, well, it wasn't even Joel McHale. He was just doing his bit. Oh, yeah. The issue was he had no chemistry with Jeff Keighley, which they, I guess they just didn't anticipate happening. So, you know, Joel McHale would make a crack at Jeff Keighley. Jeff Keighley would just shoot it down and move on to the next thing. Like, here's the thing. When you're, like, doing jokes back and forth, the, like, the main rule that, like, if you're, like, in improv or whatever, the main rule is if someone makes a comment to you, you don't go, no, and go back to what you're talking about. You say yes, and you build on it. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just be, like, like, to get a joke to, like, successfully land. That like, even adult, if it's awkward, like, if, like, when, the, when the Joe McHale... diaper thing just feel kind of awkward? Well, no, that, that was written for him. That's what, I'll, oh. I'll get to that in a sec, but the, just finishing this thought real quick, the, um... Like when when Jeff when Joel McHale was joking, I think he stopped watching by that point. But at one point, he was like, "Because Jeff Keighley was wearing like four layers of clothes. I don't know if you saw. He had a jacket, a jacket, a hoodie. He had a leather jacket, a hoodie, a button down, and a T-shirt, all stacked. And you could see the like they were all like like a V inside a V inside a V. And at one point, Joel McHale's like, I don't remember what he said, but he basically made some crack about you should take off your jacket, Jeff. You're wearing too many layers. Like he kept joking about his layers. And instead of just kind of rolling with the punches, like Jeff Keighley would be like, "Well, he's like, okay, I'll take off the." I'll take off the jacket, but only if we first talk about this game. Like, that one was okay, because he kind of, like, ra- rolled with it. But one time, he's just like, no. No, we have more games to talk about, though. Like, you can't do that if you're on a broadcast. You have to kind of roll with it. Like, he did it better to f- when he said yes, but only if. You can't go no when someone... Yeah. When you're, like, trying to be, like, a duo of, like, straight man and funny man, you can't have the straight man just shoot down the funny man. It doesn't work. It's just awkward. But, honestly, that's just one of a few kinks, I think, were in it. The others were really, like you mentioned with the adult diaper thing, there are some really poorly pre-written jokes, and there's some really cringeworthy viral bits they didn't need to do. Oh, man. I think there was one before, when I was still watching it, before yeah. Nintendo came on. Yeah, they were just, it's just unnecessary. Like, if people want to watch those YouTube videos, that's fine. They're on YouTube. And let Joel McHale do his thing. In the second half of it, Joel McHale stopped reading the prompter. Like, you, he was so wooden in the first half, because he was reading the prompter, and, t- and he knew the jokes were awful. That's why he was just like, I'm wearing an adult diaper. But in the second half, he was kind of more, like, doing his own thing, and he felt a lot... He seemed a lot more comfortable in it and just, like, ran with it, and it, it worked a lot better. But, um... Yeah, they definitely need to get rid of that stuff. And I, I did really like, though... They did this mini-documentary on Donkey Kong. Like, almost an update to uh, the King of Kong movie, where it's, like, who are the current champions? It's, like, a five-minute thing produced by 
Complex or Vice or one of those like web magazines also does video. It's actually really good. It's really well done. Like I'd be I'd really love if, if VGX next year did Wait, that was from VGX? The seven minute Donkey Kong thing that was posted yeah. today. Yeah, they premiered it at VGX. Oh, I thought today. Yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. right? It's nice. It's enjoyable. It started off like what is, what is this and then it then it Maybe it was a different thing then. The one I was watching Oh well they said up when I watched it. Uh, no, yeah, when I watched it, it was kind of out of context, and yeah. like, why is this guy just, like, working out, talking about... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the same video. But, yeah, it, uh, like, if they just did, like, a series of, like, little mini-documentaries about the players, and then they had, like, the reveals of the new games and kind of mesh those two together, I think it would work really well. But, uh, yeah, so then there's Joel McHale. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm a huge fan of Community, so naturally I'm a fan of his, and he was totally doing his shtick, like, his bit when he hosts The Soup is... He's condescending, he's sarcastic, he basically makes fun of the thing he is supposed to be doing. Like, he's hosting the soup, he's making fun of him having to host the soup. Like, that's kind of the bit. The bit is, TV's so stupid, this is so stupid, but here I am showing you how stupid it is. Wait, so he, was he the one that Nintendo hired for that Yeah, commercial? for that 3DS commercial where it's like, Joel, we need you to make a commercial. And he was, like, doing this kind of, like, I'm not, I'm disinterested, but I'm kind of interested, but I, like, thing. Yeah. That's his bit. That's what he does. And for the soup, it works great, because they're making fun of reality TV, which should, in most cases, shouldn't even be on the air. So it worked perfectly. And for this, like, at first he was really, like, not gelling well, but in the second half, he started to get a feel for it a bit better. And he actually had some kind of clever commentary at times. Like, I, he made some references to this just being, like, I mean, it's not like he was very philosophical or deep, but he made some references to, like, uh, you know, things like all just they're all just commercials you're basically watching a giant commercial everyone's paying for this like he said in a funny way i don't remember exactly the wording or like um he called out jeff keighley a few times because he kept saying so jeff what game jeff keighley kept saying to joel kill what game were you most excited about and joel kill would rouse him off which by the way the one he sounded most genuinely excited about was donkey kong not even king because he's like at the very end he's like yeah titanfall looks kind of cool i'm really excited about tropical freeze i really want to show that to my kids like they're gonna be psyched and i was like whoa he's showing emotion what is happening but um but yeah, he he then spun the question back on Jeff Keighley and was like, pick a game. And he did this like three times over the course of the night. And Jeff Keighley's like, oh, I love them all. Because Jeff Keighley's, you know, the good PR man. He's the one that negotiated all these people beyond the show. He's not going to dis... He's not going to elevate one higher and unintentionally diss the other guys. So he kept just playing middle of the line. Like, oh, they're all great in their own ways. And just, and Joel McHill started going after him for it. Because it's like, dude, you're kind of... A, he didn't say like you're a journalist, but he's like, you got to have one you like. Have you ever given a game a bad review? And Jeff Keighley's like, yeah, all the time. He's like, okay, so which one here sucks? And he was like, they're all great. And he's like, no, I give me one game. I'm just going to assume you like Titanfall. Do you like Titanfall? You now like Titanfall. And for like the rest of the show, I just kept harping on how Jeff Keighley is obsessed with Titanfall. The other games are horrible in Jeff Keighley's mind, but Titanfall is the best. Like, that sort of stuff, when he started doing that, that was funny. Because it was poking fun at the format, but not ruining anything. Like, he said to the developers and of Titanfall, and they just kind of laughed. And were like, well, that's good to hear. You know, they were... Everyone was okay with it, and it was like a it's kind of a clever commentary on how this is just a big PR event, but at the same time, it still allowed everything to progress nicely, and it didn't like ruin anything. So that's the sort of stuff. Once he started doing that, it was a lot better. But it was just like the beginning was just weird, and they definitely have kinks to work out with pacing. But it was a good start, I think. I think if they find a host that's a little more game enthusiast and a little less purposely condescending, it could work. It could potentially work. What do you think? I mean, you watch a chunk. Ten minutes, maybe. That's a chunk. I guess that says a lot. You watch ten minutes and turned it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Joel McHale was, I mean, I hate to say it because I am a fan of his, but he was kind of insufferable for the first ten minutes. <laughs> he was just so bad. But partly that's because he was sticking a script, and the script was awful. If you thought he was insufferable, and you're a fan of him. 
the script was awful. I'm, I originally thought it was him phoning it in. Then I realized it was him just trying to be his condescending stuff while also reading that horrible script they wrote for him. It is so bad. And then there's dumb things like who at VGX, does, who at Spike thinks it's still a good idea to go, hey gamers, you live in your basements alone. You suck. Do we, do people go to the Oscars and sit in the audience and the Oscars are like you just watch TV, you just watch movies in your basement and eat popcorn and get fat you suck like the real respectable things that honor and celebrate their field do not make fun of the people in the field like it's just it's weird like because even at the end Jack was like yeah it's just a celebration of games and I was like it, I couldn't tell <laughs> but but no, I think it's a really good first start and I'm I'm curious to see how they improve it next year but. I guess you obviously felt differently since you turned it off so fast. No, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I think part of the reason I watched it was just because I just wasn't really that interested. I guess I was just curious to see how it would differ. Plus, Jeff Keighley and I—I I mean, we go way back. He once retweeted me, oh. and he once <laughs> responded to my tweet. We're like BFFs, so I thought I had to give him the rating, like the ratings on the stream. So, because you know, Jeff and I. JK, as I call him. Or, well, it's GK, I guess. GK, as I call him. See, we're so good. We're such good friends. He lets me spell his name J-E-F-F instead of G-O-E-F-F. That's how good of friends we are. Based on our two Twitter interactions. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, switching gears in... Well, actually, no. I wouldn't say it's switching gears. I was going to bring up uh, Reggie. But he was at VGX. So, I guess it kind of works. But there, uh, Reggie likes to say things. Reggie likes to say weird things. Reggie really says the darndest things, if we were to reference that old show, which we're doing. So, um, over the past few weeks, Reggie's done a handful of different interviews. He was at VGX. He was in a Forbes interview. He did a tweet up with fans at Nintendo America headquarters, which is where the Master Sword video was shot, was when he was waiting for the tweet. So when everyone won a Wii U or something? Yeah, everyone got a Wii U to give away to a charity because it was on Giving Tuesday, which is this uh... big thing. So basically, they rolled out Wii U said, you get a Wii U to give to someone else. And everyone's like, uh-oh. So, but... I mean, it's cool that they were giving them away, That's, and they let the people pick their charities, but it's just kind of funny that, like, they roll out a card, and like, you get a Wii U, and you get a Wii U, and you get a Wii U to give to that person, and that other person, and that third person. But, uh, so the things that Reggie says, that makes me say he says the darndest things, are, um, I'm just going to read this quote. I'm just going to let it linger. This is Reggie to Jeff Keighley, live on the internet during VGX. My body is always ready for you. That's it. That's the whole line. That is what he said. That, those are words that came out of his mouth to Jeff Keighley. I know. It's always ready for him. Always. Always ready. And then, I mean... For everything. <laughs> not only that, but how about... Um, if he were to be a Smash Bros. character, he tweeted this. If he were to be a Smash Bros. character, his final Smash would be, My body is ready slam. A, are you noticing a trend here? And B, do you think he's milking this meme to death enough yet? He's really embracing it. Yeah, he is. But, no, I think it's great that he's like, trying to embrace what the fans have generated, like Reginator being his nickname and everything. But it's just funny that he's saying all these weird things. Apparently, he claims, he's joking, I'm sure, if he gets 100,000 signatures on this petition, he will be in Smash Bros. as a playable character. Well, didn't say Sakurai will consider it? Sakurai, oh yeah, Sakurai will consider it, which means it's not happening. Yeah, I'll think about the it. The crazy no. <laughs> thing is it actually has half the signatures it needs already. I didn't think it'd even get that close. But, yeah. but hey, more power to Reggie. But in addition to... I mean, just- I'm sure he'll have me characters in it, and then everyone could play as Reggie all they want. Yeah, that'd be interesting if they put me as in Smash Bros. Actually, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't at this be surprised because then you could. I don't think that'd be a, a cool idea. They'd be kind of generic, or just have like um, Wii Sports. 
equipment to fight with or any game that'd be that cool matter. or like they whack people oh wait there's already the Wii Fit Train because I was saying it'd be great if they could like use the bounce board well I mean yeah them. I mean they have all the stuff from Wii Sports they have all the stuff from Wii everything Wii Party yeah. Wii Music whip yeah. out a saxophone and bash it over someone's head and you could play it yourself I mean I don't think I think anyone would want to play it themselves but they might not because if you could play as any me you create that also means you could yeah, play yeah you could play as Hitler <laughs> online <laughs> yeah but, um... Or it might just be pre-selected music. Oh, you could play as Iwata. You could play as... Oh, um, man, if they had, like, a Nintendo corporate all-stars, <laughs> like, that'd be insane. <laughs> but, uh, I was gonna say, though, speaking of Nintendo's corporate all-stars, Reggie, so he says weird things about his body always being ready for, for Jeff Keighley. But he also says some other... Not puzzling things, but interesting things. He says He says some darndest things that are a little more centric to Nintendo. For example, he spoke with Forbes... Uh, in an interview that I was conducting in late October that only recently got published. And in the interview, he was uh, asked about misconception about the Wii U. You know, like, is the Wii U, um, is it clear this is a different system from the Wii? Do people understand it now? And his response was that, in his mind, this is a quote, the issue has been largely addressed. As we've told consumers of the great things you can do with the gamepad, as we've showed fantastic software like Pikmin 3, Wonderful 101, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, and HD. Yeah, um, it does the case, Reggie. I mean, he went on to say that he well, believes... Well, I mean, maybe less people are confused and maybe well, they no, just no, no. aren't interested. No, that's why I think it's starting to become. But, I mean, he went on to say that, like, the consumer now understands it's a new system and that there's new capabilities. And he was praising it as the only system that's backwards compatible out of all the next-gen systems, which means that people really, like, they get, oh, it's a new Wii, but it's also playing the old Wii. Like, <laughs> but, but, but I'm just going to keep my Wii. <laughs> but here's the thing that I think... This is the part where I'm like, Reggie, you're saying the darndest thing right now. And that's this interview happened in late October, right? Like, I, that's when they did it. And he said people understand the Wii U now, and they, they're not concerned anymore. So then why, in all of November and all of December, are they running commercials where they have to literally spell out the Wii U is, a not, is not a Wii, it is an upgrade? If he was so confident, in October, I mean, obviously in an interview, he's not going to say, nope, no one gets it. But he could say, we're working to improve it, or da, da, da. but the fact that he's like, no, they get it now, and then a month later, Nintendo runs a commercial that shows people don't get it now, makes you wonder, why did he say that? I understand, you know, PR and whatnot, but it just seems like a weird, like, he was not being truthful. So, it's, um, and, and even then, let's say, let's say, He's right, and people get it now. Does that mean Nintendo's just going to be like, okay, problem solved, and stick their head in the sand to future issues of confusion? Or, like with the 3DS, eventually it became clear what it was, but even then they still, you know, emphasize that it's different in different ways. Mm-hmm. To this day, even, they emphasize that it's the 3DS family of products, and there are three different 3DSs, and the DS is not a thing anymore. Like, it's still... And even then, even now, there's still confusion. Sears, for example... Or no, that was Wii U. Walmart. But, yeah, Walmart lumped all the games wrong like it was like the 2ds plays ds games and the 3ds plays 3ds games. like it's still getting mixed up and nintendo hasn't addressed it anymore they're done so i'm hoping they don't just put their head in the sand on this one because that could be uh that could be kind of bad and as we'll see when we get to jason sales corner a little bit um yeah it may not even help if people do understand it like you said people might just not be interested which seems to be how it's hanging so Time will tell. But the anecdotally, I do want to say there is still confusion. I was at Best Buy, uh, like, a few days after Thanksgiving, and there was a person there asking the Best Buy employee, so what is this Wii U? Is it, like, another Wii or some sort of upgrade? And the Best Buy employee's like, yeah, it's an upgrade to the Wii. And he's like, oh, so it's another Wii. Okay, and walked away. And it's like, 
there's never a time when a Best Buy employee, hey, what's this new Xbox One? Oh, it's the upgrade to the 360. No, it's the brand new Xbox, entirely new system. Like they say, it's the entire, It's a new Xbox. It's the new Xbox. It's different. It does this, this, and this. They for figure the, they want the Wii U to fail. Yeah, for the Wii U, it's like, it's an upgrade. And I think the problem is, it's not so much the Best Buy <laughs> Don't employee. Don't bother me. I don't really It's care. not the Best Buy employee's fault. It's the fact Nintendo's calling it an upgrade. I mean, Reggie even said in the interview, it's great because it's a Wii U. Like, it has new capabilities and it has the Wii library. But if you sell it that way, it sounds like it's an upgrade. Especially because they use the word upgrade in all their commercials. So that's probably not helping them either. I did, the funniest part of that anecdote, though... <laughs> it's an upgrade, except you're not really upgrading your console, you're replacing you're, it. Yeah, it's an upgrade, except it's not all the same thing. But <laughs> but it's like... And, and the funniest part of that story, actually, is as we were walking away, I was with my dad at the time, and he's just like, I should have told that guy it's a new system. I'm like, yes, Dad, you should have. <laughs> he's like, he, that Best Buy employee is wrong. I'm like, I know, I know. But, uh... So, hold me back, hold me back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna punch it. No, but it, uh... It's just like, I don't, I really hope Nintendo doesn't, I really hope Reggie was just giving a generic PR answer and they don't actually think the problem's solved or else sales are never going to pick up because it's definitely not solved. I mean, if the 3DS is saying issues on its third year, Wii is going to have way more trouble. Um, one thing though that Nintendo's not sticking its head in the sand about, which is kind of nice, is the fan campaigns that have happened, you know, Operation Rainfall and for Xenoblade and Pandora's Tower and those games and Operation Moonfall most recently for the 3D Majora's Mask remake. All those where the fans are like, Nintendo, do this. We have signatures on a petition. Do it. Um, Nintendo's not sticking their head in the sand. They know it's there. They just choose not to care. Understandably so. Reggie was speaking with uh, Silicon Era at that tweet up at NOAHQ and uh, his answer, I mean, obviously is disappointing to the people that sign those petitions and want those games, but from a business perspective, it's perfectly logical. He was saying that you know, it can't affect Nintendo's decisions, what they do, because at the end of the day, it's up to Reggie and the team at Nintendo to decide, like, what's going to drive the business, his words, what's driving the business forward. Like, it might, sure, there's, this is why, this is the exact thing. The thing we know about petitions is that 100,000 signatures doesn't mean 100,000 sales, which is totally true. I signed the Operation Rainfall petition just because why not? I did not buy any of those three games. <laughs> so, so apparently what Nintendo's doing is they're aware of the campaigns, they appreciate campaigns, it lets them gauge interest a little, but at the end of the day, they need to do their own determination from a financial perspective, like the cost of localization versus, you know, how many sales they can project versus um, also, you know, the marketing and all that and decide if it's profitable and from there, they then make the decision. And all those discussions with Xenoblade were happening as Operation Rainfall unfolded. And Nintendo's like, oh yeah, there's some fans over there. But they can't really use it as market research because it it's just a bunch of riled up fans signing a petition and it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So it was an interesting point for Reggie. It wasn't quite as darndest as some of his other ones. But, it, you know, it's it's something that I'm sure some people weren't happy to hear. And it also means, unfortunately, I have to cancel my plans to start a giant, huge campaign across every social media platform known to man to get the Chibi Robo eShop game to America. So, Whoa, so it hasn't even, the campaign didn't even start yet, but you know what? I'm already stopping it. I mean, Reggie told me it's not worth it, so that's that. But, you have to plant the idea in his head and I need, think that well, he here, got it. You know what we, what we need to live inception? Is that what we need to do? That's straight oh, up. Is that, is, that what that is? I the, the inception is you plant seeds in people's dreams and the seeds blossom into their own thoughts, essentially. Hey, we did meet Reggie before E3. One of us should have just subtly been like, and just walked away and seen if he subconsciously processed that. But, um, totally switching gears from Reggie. Well, it's business, but it's the opposite end, and that's Jason Sales Corner. Uh, so, there was no transition there. 
So, Cha-ching. Uh, not what you wanted. Thank you. We need a cash machine sound effect. I know. We, 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 we really you, do. You keep saying that. I keep well, I, I stopped saying that for like a year because it never happened. Mr. Edit, edits the audio file that you I, are. I can't be bothered. Oh, oh, I see how important this is to you. <laughs> anyway, no. Uh, so the, the MPD numbers just came out the other day for November um, here in the U.S. And that means we we have numbers to report. And the thing is... Good this news? Is, good news, bad news, news in between. Here's the thing. It's a bigger deal than usual this month's NPD because not only it's after Black is Friday. there, well, not only is it after Black holiday Friday thing. and it's the holidays, but there's two new console launches. There's oh. the success of the Wii U writing on this. There's the question of can the 3DS keep up its momentum, and there's the whole idea of whether next gen as a whole can save what's been a very noticeable downward slope and sagging of industry sales as a whole. So there's like all these different things whirling around, and November was like the first of the holiday months that could really make the difference so it's a big it's a big month and if you're wondering what the answers to all those potential things that could have saved are it's not quite what you'd expect so on the next gen console side we don't really cover much of the the other guys but it's worth mentioning both launches did pretty well for themselves to put it mildly sony sold over a million ps4s in 24 hours which is kind of nuts and then some undisclosed amounts since then they've had supply issues so that's probably not much more than a million meanwhile xbox one moved 909,000 units in the week and a half it was out within this report mm, period okay. it's not bad at all the thing that microsoft's doing is kind of funny and crazy pr move they are saying it's quote the fastest selling next gen console i don't know i'm pretty sure sony selling it in a day selling a million in a day tops a week and a half at nine hundred ninety-nine thousand. Nine hundred nine thousand. just just simple just simple logic there if it takes you nine days or whatever or eight days to sell under a million it takes one guy one day to sell one million I think the guy that sold the million might be a little faster at it. So, so just saying just Microsoft, line, I don't know. They had they must have some really weird train of thought behind it. Like something like, well, the PS4 wasn't selling on those days because of supply, supply constraints. So from November 22nd onward, we were the fastest selling console or some stupid thing like that. Or like fastest selling, oh, you know what probably is? Faster, fastest selling per day. Cause, uh, or fastest selling over the course of a week. Because Sony sold all in one day and then nothing. But... Xbox had an average of 101,000 over nine days. So it was the fastest selling over that week, over a week-long period, while Sony kind of just blew up early and then had nothing. Uh. Which still doesn't quite work, because it's still faster even if it blew up. But what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, that's what's going on with those guys. And thanks in large part to that new hardware, uh, the industry as a whole did see a 7% e- increase in sales this, this November over last November, which is nice. But software sales, interestingly, were actually down by a fifth. They were down 20%. Which, if you think about it, makes sense. Because if you're going to go buy a $400 box, $500 box, you're not going to then go buy as many games as you would, say, a year ago when there was no $400 box to buy. The closest was the Wii U at 350 or whatever. But you know what I mean. Like, there's... If people are spending money on hardware, it's not as much money for the software. So, speaking of the software, software side was kind of... It's kind of depressing the state that our industry has our industry like we're in it has gotten to it's like the top 10 chart was completely dominated by like the generic multi-platform games that always dominate Ghost, so Battlefield. exactly i don't know, exactly. i haven't even seen the list i'm just guessing. yeah no you got the top two right there call of duty ghost was number one battlefield was number Auto. two that was somewhere on there i don't remember which here's the ones that were on nintendo system just to give you an idea uh ghost was number one like you said uh, Assassin's Creed 4 was number 3 oh, yeah. How could I uh, Skylander Swap Force was number 7 oh. Just Dance 2014 was number or 2013 or whatever 14. it's called yeah 14 it's like a sports game now was number 8 and Disney Infinity was number 9 now they're all multi-platform 
which is interesting. And it, you know, the dominance of them there kind of makes sense if you stop and think about it because there's so many systems right now because we're in like that weird half step between last gen and next gen. So there's some of these games are literally on seven different systems. So if you add up, even if they only sell like a couple hundred thousand per system, when you add them up, they're going to dominate. Xbox 360, Xbox One, Wii U. Wii, DS, PC. Yeah, 3DS. Vita. Vita. Yeah, there's like, it's a ridiculous number of platforms. Like Skylanders is probably, and Disney are probably the worst defenders. But, but, so because of that, um... Isn't Thought Force only on Nintendo consoles though? No, it's on all of them. It's just a partnership for marketing Nintendo focused. Oh, but yeah, gotcha. it's interestingly, um, I believe Swap Force of the multi of the next gen versions, if I remember correctly, Swap Force actually still better on Xbox One than PS4. Who would have thought? I guess because PS4 is more of the gamer centric console, and Xbox One is more of the family entertainment unit now. Yeah. But but yeah, it's still really weird. Even though it makes sense that these games are dominating trucks because they're all multi platform, it's still really weird to see zero first party exclusives, even like during a big launch. There was no shadow or. Shadow. No Killzone Shadowfall for PS4. There's no Forza 5. Or apparently, as it's properly pronounced, Forza, because it's Italian or something, for no Forza no 5 for Xbox. Yeah, no Dead Rising 3. Or most notably to us, no Mario or Zelda for Wii U or 3DS. At all. Didn't chart. I mean, they obviously sold something, but they didn't chart. So, it, it was interesting because when these numbers came out on Thursday, it was... Um, Everyone's like freaking out. Where's Mario? Where's Zelda? Oh my god, why aren't they selling? Why aren't they selling? This is the worst possible scenario. What's happening? What's happening? Then like 90 minutes later, Nintendo just timidly put out a press release. Which pretty much confirmed everyone's fears that they aren't really doing as well as people were hoping. So I guess that kind of leads us into those sales numbers. So on the 3DS side of things, it wasn't too bad. Um, on 3DS, A Link Between Worlds actually as a standalone game managed to move 280,000 combined physical and digital copies in the eight or nine days of the reporting period that was included in. But when you factor in the special Zelda 3DS bundle, that gets bumped up to a much more reasonable 408,000. So just a little under half a million in like nine days. So for a handheld Zelda, that's pretty good. Um, Pokemon X and Y also did pretty well in its second month on the market. It Together, the two versions sold almost half a million as well. They each sold a little over 225,000 copies, physical and digital combined, again. Um... A lot of older 3DS titles also got a boost from the from people buying the system with these games. So um, Nintendo said that sales of Luigi's Mansion, Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D, Super Mario 3D Land, Mario Kart 7, and somewhat randomly Paper Mario Sticker Star all doubled. Well, compared. that one had really good deals. Oh, that's true. They had the Best Buy like, deal. Some of them were like ten bucks. That's right. It's ten dollars at Best Buy. You're right. But yeah, all five of those games doubled in sales from October to November. Okay. So yeah, I forgot about the Best Buy deal. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, they were selling it for Not ten. Not just Best Buy, like Newegg and. Oh, yeah, but New X was in October, wasn't it? I don't know. Best Buy's was around Black Friday, I know that. And then Toys R Us probably helped them, right? Yeah, but so Nintendo's seeing a lot of good software movement on the 3DS side, uh, for the 3DS, but the hardware, well, when you look at it by itself, it seems reasonable. It sold 770,000 units in November. So a little under a million, like 300,000 under a million. And it's, um, or closer to 200,000, I should say. And that's a 15% increase over what it sold in October, which was obviously already inflated because Pokemon drove sales like crazy. But uh, leak numbers, not confirmed by Nintendo, but leak numbers suggest that 2DS represented 200,000 of those 770,000, which honestly I thought would be higher, considering it was only 99 bucks at Walmart over Black Friday weekend, or Thanksgiving weekend as normal humans should call it. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of surprised it was that low at that price. Um, but that means between you know taking all that 770,000 and putting it into the total, that means since it launched in 2011, 3DS system sales here in the U.S., are now at just about 10.5 million. 
So it passed the 10 million mark. They should have had an orange 3DS this holiday season. Give it time. They'll have one. Isn't there already an orange 3DS? There's an orange and black one somewhere. In Japan? I don't know. I just saw a picture of it somewhere. But I know Could be a custom mod as well. I know it exists. Could be a custom mod. Yes, I'm hoping it's real. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? So, when you hear that number by itself, the 770,000, that sounds pretty good, right? Like, that's a, that's a large number. I don't know. It's not a million. Exactly. But the 3DS has never sold a million. But what's interesting is when you look at it compared to how it's performed in the past. So, last holiday, when the only game, really, for 3DS that was a system seller during the holidays was Paper Mario, that year, it sold 540,000 units. So, definitely lower. This is definitely improving over last year. But if you look at two years ago, when the 3DS, it was its first holiday season, they had the price drop just happened, they had Mario uh, 3D Land, they had Mario Kart 7, both coming out, one-two punch. It managed to actually sell more than the 3DS did this year, and it sold uh, 795000 So So, what? so, so here's it what's weird. So a really big dive, and then it went kind of back up? Yeah, but here's what's weird. You would think it would go higher than what it did. So two years ago, had a price drop, so it was 100 what was it at that point? A hundred... 169 169 yeah, yeah. right so in two years going is 169 and had mario and mario kart it sold just about what it sold this year but this year it fell short when it had pokemon when it had zelda when it had a crazy like really good stellar lineup of games from spring all the way through now including you know mario and luigi and fire Emblem. well fire Emblem was not a system seller animal crossing and all that stuff like it had all those games it also had the, uh, you know, all those bundles this year. There are all those different deals, different bundle configurations, just a lot of different options that came with games. So basically, value buys. And it had the 2DS, which was an automatic budget option. And it had the 2DS at that special price of $99 all of Black Friday or Thanksgiving weekend at Walmart. So when you add all that in, you would think it would sell better, at least better, not necessarily by a lot, but better than what it sold two years ago when I had two games and it was $30 more. Like, I don't know what, I guess the mobile market's eating into it more than we, than people thought it would, but, like, I honestly thought they'd sell over a million, and they definitely came short of that. So, you know, it's not to say the 3DS is doing badly, it just seems like it could have done so much more with that much stuff. Like, Zelda, Pokemon, a cheap 2DS, all those bundles, all those deals, you would think it would sell more. Like, that, that's, like, quite the whirlwind of activity around the system. And, I mean, the same, like... The same idea that you would hope it would do better can also apply to the Wii U, except, unlike the 3DS, it actually did do badly. It's not like, oh, it didn't do bad, but it could do better. This, the Wii U, I would argue, straight up did bad. So, um, on the hardware side, Nintendo boasted that sales were up 340% compared to last month in October. And uh, that sounds pretty great on paper until you realize that that only totals about 220,000 units in all of November. For comparison... Uh, the Wii U, when it launched a year ago in November, you know, 2012, it sold uh, 425,000 units. So 200,000 more than it sold this year. Uh, and if you look at, like... People are buying it? Yeah. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but not by much. If you look, like, legacy-wise, when the GameCube was in its second holiday season, it also sold about double at 468,000. And don't even bother with the Wii. That sold just shy of a million at nine, 981,000 units. In its second holiday season. So yeah, the Wii is doing pretty bad. And the, the, the trouble, the problem is, traditionally speaking with the industry, the second year of the console's life is the year it like hits its stride, it has all the good games, it's past the like, you know, the hump of people trying to develop for it, and that's like the year it really, like one of its biggest selling years is usually that second holiday season. So 220,000 is the peak of the Wii U. 
I'm not saying it is, but if it were to follow a trend where this is one of its better years, like this year and next year, and it's at 220,000, unless it's a late bloomer, that does not bode well for Nintendo. And the problem with the sales being at 220,000 is weak hardware obviously means there's going to be weak software sales, because who's buying the games? Case in yeah, point... And not everyone's going to buy the, the game that has a Wii U. So. Exactly. Case in point, between physical and digital copies, Super Mario 3D World, arguably the highest rated game of the holiday season, sold 215,000 copies. That's the lowest debut of any 3D Mario game ever. Ever. <laughs> For, uh... And not, not, it's not only Mario, because, like, multi-platform games are also doing really poorly on Wii U, like uh, Call of Duty Ghosts. I don't know the exact number, but it's... The Wii U version represented a whopping 0.33% of all sales of the game. It couldn't even get to half a percent. It's a third of a percent. It's probably, like, ten copies. Well, actually, considering how much it sells, it's probably, like, a hundred copies. But... That's really sad. But Mario, I think, is the bigger deal. Because it's kind of a bigger problem. You, it's one thing, okay, sure, the game didn't debut very well because there's not a big fan base, but I'm pretty sure Mario, Super Mario Bros. U, New Super Mario Bros. U, I'm pretty sure that outsold it. Well, I'm a year ago. Now. Oh, never mind. A year ago, for its yeah. launch. I think it sold like 285,000 or something, or 315,000. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it, I think it outsold it, so there's that. But more to the point, um, fine. The system's not selling, the game's not going to sell as well. That's great. But why is it, then, that Mario has the lowest attach rate of any 3D Mario game thus far? And what I mean by attach rate, for those that don't know, is the, uh, the ratio of people who own a Wii U to people who own Mario. So in the case of Mario 3D World, in its launch month... 100%. Uh, <laughs> no, if only, that'd be great. That's, that's a couple million right there. But no, it has an attach rate of 13.9%, which is, you know... A, a number <laughs> um, but if you compare it to mario galaxy back in november 2000 i almost said 2012 that's not right you compare it to mario galaxy back in 2007 when it launched it sold 1.2 million copies and had a attach rate at that time keep in mind the wii also had a bigger uh user base had a attach rate of 18.7 percent so like five percent higher and even mario sunshine way back in august 2002 on the gamecube it had an attach rate of 16.5 percent so why, why is, why are people not buying this Mario for the Wii U? For all these, there are people that own Wii U's, there are people that play Wii U's, there are people who complain there's not enough games for Wii U, and then when, like, the best Wii U game comes out, they don't go buy it in droves, in the same amount of, in the same quantity that they do past Mario games. Even Mario Galaxy 2, by the way, that, when it launched, sold about half a million in, in the week it was out within its reporting period. Still better than this. So I'm not quite sure what's going on, but it, the thing with Mario is, I mean, the silver lining of this is the thing with Mario is it's more of a long tail, evergreen tile, like Mario always sells over time. Like people, Mario 3D Land, as I pointed out with the 3DS, is still selling really well for Nintendo. So it's possible Mario 3D World will rebound, but it's just they don't usually have this week of a launch. I mean, in the UK, for example, Knack. PlayStation 4 is Knack. You know, uh -huh. that kind of half-baked. The one that, Yeah, yeah outsold Mario. I'm just gonna repeat that. Knack outsold Mario. <laughs> like, what is happening, Nintendo? What are you doing? And I mean, it, it's hard to explain why the game might not have sold sure well. The game sure has a knack for surprising people. It sure does. Sure does, Jose. Thank you for that, that, that insightful pun. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, uh, actually was a pretty good pun. But it's just like, I wonder if it's just bad timing. Like, maybe going up against PS4 and Xbox One with Mario wasn't the best idea. It sounded like it on paper, but perhaps people have Wii U's either stuck them in the closet or went, well, I'm going to go spend money on PS4 or Xbox One. I'll come back to my Nintendo system as my secondary console like in a few months when I have money again. 
Like, I, I wonder if that was all it was. But it's still... There's a problem when Mario, the, the for-sure system seller, is not selling systems as well as it could and is definitely not selling as well as it used to. So, well, just something to keep in mind. People are not interested in Mario anymore. I, well, they did kind of milk him. They've released four Mario platformers in the last, like, two years. Oops. Mario Bros. 2, Mario Bros. U, Mario 3D World, Mario 3D Land. Mario Brothers Luigi. Oh, and Luigi. Well, Luigi's DLC of yep, sorts. So. But, yeah, it's that's a, a lot game. of Mario. It's a whole game. It is. That's a lot of Mario. So, I think uh, the overall takeaway for this November MPD and Jason Sales Corner is probably that uh, Nintendo had a pretty mediocre November, I think is the best way to put it. They, uh, you know, they've had years where they've sold millions of systems in that 30-day period of November, and they've had years where they haven't, and it's definitely the years that they haven't. I mean, combined Wii U and 3DS sales don't even hit a million on their own. And just a reminder, PlayStation 4 sold a million in a day, and Nintendo with two systems can't even get to a million. So... It's not to say it's horrible on a company-wide like level. The 3DS is doing pretty well for itself, and the Wii U isn't. But it's like Nintendo as a whole will probably pull through. It's not a problem, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens in December, especially since Nintendo's still pumping out bundles. There's, there's still more bundles. They're still trying to do value propositions and be like, this is why you need this. It's so affordable. I mean, uh, on December 1st, they launched that Mario and Luigi bundle with the silver 3DS with the Mario and Luigi etching. Uh, that looks pretty cool. Yeah, actually it does. I wish they did the year, or the Japanese one, though, with the Luigi silhouettes like all printed on, almost like camouflage. I think yeah. that one looks cool. And then, so they had that that came out summer first. They just launched Pokemon X and Y bundles with the 2DS, where you get system in the game is pre-installed for 150 a pop, which isn't so bad. So they're still playing out bundles, and it's possible they'll see an uptick in December. Usually, December is pretty strong as well. Sometimes even stronger than November. All the last-minute shoppers. So there'll be some. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what December sh- is shaping. Sh- bleh, what December is shaping up to be like? Is what I was trying to say. But what's going to be really interesting is how Nintendo responds to this. Because clearly they're not meeting their Wii U sales sales goal of $9 million. And I don't even know if they're going to meet their 3DS sales goal. I suspect they thought they'd sell more 3DSs. So, we'll see what happens. Interesting time to be covering Nintendo, that's for sure. And that's really it for the business side. But for those of us who have the systems and aren't out buying them or not buying them, there was some good news for us 3DS owners as Nintendo just launched something kind of cool in the form of Miiverse and Nintendo Network ID for 3DS. So this arrived this past Monday, and it does exactly what Nintendo said it would. You can now link your Nintendo Network ID directly to the 3DS, browse Miiverse. Uh, even when games are suspended, you can access Miiverse and post screenshots. And there's a new icon on the home screen right up at the top easy access it's it's pretty nice it, you can do 3d screenshots where uh as long as your slider's up when you take the image it'll be 3d when other people view it that's actually interesting if you have the slider down it'll be 2d for the other people so it mimics what you're seeing not what it's outputting oh. um it's better it doesn't work on all games as you would expect but i guess it's no it does game which which game didn't it work for pokemon well pokemon doesn't have 3d for most of it yeah but still i mean it didn't work for battles um everything i've tried didn't work I don't think I tried a battle, but... Well, that, battles are the only thing in 3D in that game. Oh, yeah. I guess it's you can take a screenshot like, of anything, like any other game. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. You meant, I think you meant 3D screenshots. Yeah, Pokemon does not allow screenshots, neither does Monster Hunter, and I have no idea why. Probably because you can name your stuff. Probably. But you can name your stuff in Animal Crossing and that has screenshots. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But either way, so in addition to 3D screenshots, which are actually super cool, you can browse both 3DS and Wii U communities, which is kind of nice. You can uh, you have notifications that, you know, if you read them on, one de- on the 3DS, they'll be gone off the smartphone website, mobile site. They'll be gone off the Wii U. It's not a mobile um, site, isn't it? It's just a regular website? It's a mobile-optimized version of me versus oh. normal website, yes. 
it's 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 formatted for the the resolution of the iPhone and Android devices. Like it's long and skinny instead of wide. Yeah. Um, there's also with the Miiverse on 3s, you can follow users. You can of course draw a message. You can store messages offline to post layer, which is actually really handy. However, so that's what it does have. What it doesn't have, and what kind of annoys me, is there's no friend integration whatsoever. So there's no private messages. There's no way to friend someone yeah, on Miiverse. Yeah, there's no replacement for swap note. Yeah, there's no real swap note replacement because there's no messaging. There's no uh, integration of your current 3DS friend list with Miiverse or with the Wii U friend list. It'd be awesome if I open my 3DS and it shows what like you, Jose, are playing on your Wii U or something like that. Yeah, because it's like, oh, I get, a, I get a little notification on the Miiverse thing, but then it's just a... I guess, like, oh, someone yad one of my posts, yeah. but I still have to go to my Wii, and, like, oh, it turns out I also have a message. Yeah, there's no way to know if you so, get a message or a friend request through Miiverse, so. On 3DS, so. On 3DS, yet. I guarantee these will be rolled out, because if you remember with Miiverse on Wii U, it's been iterated on a bajillion times. Like, they've added so much since the industry launched, so, in on due time. But I think, you know, beyond the missing features, Miiverse on 3DS, it is a bit on the slow side, loading, at least initially booting up. I'm not a big fan of the low resolution of the 3DS screen. I don't notice it in games, but the way the text is displayed in Miiverse, it looks really kind of janky. Uh, but I do really like the ability to post screenshots in 3D. I do like even little touches. Like, I don't know if you notice on profile pages, top right corner of the top screen, if you own a Wii U and a 3DS, it'll show both a 3DS silhouette and a Wii U gamepad silhouette. So, And it's true for any profile, so you can see if they own both systems or not. Like, it's a nice little touch. But little things like that, uh, I, you know, I like those. The feet, my feet's way more active already just for my 3DS friends hopping on and following me and vice versa. So that's, you know, that's a nice plus. But I'm a little surprised I didn't include some of the um, games that came out in 2013. They don't have communities. Fire Emblem has no community. Donkey Kong has no community. Uh, it's just strange. Well, I'm not sure, I'm sure why they those that. games will invade another community that... Probably. No. Yeah, it's just, it's, I, don't, I just don't understand why. But I will say, uh, setting up the Nintendo Network ID was also really painless. Although it was kind of funny that it prompts you when you first start with, Hey, you should have your parent do this, okay? It's like, you know my age, 3DS. You, every time I go to the eShop, you have me enter my age so I can see mature content. I think you can put together that I don't need my parent to set up my Nintendo Network ID. But thank you for your concern. But yeah, seriously. But it also uh, it's also kind of interesting that I don't know if you noticed, but anytime you do anything online, it like logs you into Nintendo Network ID. Like if you go to the eShop or Street Pass Plaza and download the update, it'll like a pop up will appear like signing in as and you has your Nintendo Network ID and it goes away right away. So it's it's it shows that unlike the Wii U, which is a constantly online a constantly connected online device, 3DS is still like it only pings when it needs to. Otherwise, it just kind of lays low. Hmm. So I, I just found that kind of interesting. But um. This all. The, what, what do you think of it so far? Um, reminds me a lot of the phone app. It's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more like the phone like, app than the Wii version. Wii version. Kind of like I'm just like yeah, like I'm still kind of waiting for it to be finished. Like like okay, we have mm-hmm. it now. The mm-hmm. icons there. I like how they managed to just make the icon fit and it not really looking like it got forced in there. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the icons are very nice touch. <laughs> but I'm still waiting for for it to be truly completed. Right. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, you know, this is a good time to plug it, so I'm going to do it. Hey guys, you can follow us on Miiverse or friend us on the Wii U Miiverse. Uh, I'm Jason R. Jose is Wero, W E I R O underscore O. And yeah, we'd love to follow you guys back and see what everyone's playing and talk games and stuff. And yeah, so hit us up on Miiverse. Now that there's so many, I'm sure a bunch of our listeners, you guys out there, have 3DSs and not Wii U's, so here we go. 
You're finally welcome. Welcome aboard, guys. Uh, but yeah, I did want to say beyond that, um, the firmware update actually has some other handy stuff. Actually, two things in particular are really great. One, they finally fixed it, so if you hit L or R while on the home menu, it doesn't dump you to the camera. You don't have to hit both simultaneously. You have no idea how many times, like, I'd grab my 3DS kind of by the shoulder and hit the button as I was opening it, and it'd open the camera, and I'd go, no, I don't want you, and close it. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've been through that pain, man. <laughs> but uh, And also, they got rid of the system transfer limit. Since they have so many different limited edition 3DSs coming out, and some people just like going from limited edition system to limited edition system, they lifted the file. Oh, the burden off my back, too. What? I said that's the burden lifted. Is it? You don't buy that many 3DSs. You only have one. Wow. How's that burden lifted for you? You have four. You would have had four more, but now you have infinite. Now I have the option. That's You still have the option four times, five times. Yeah, but now... Now you have endless fix. possibilities. That's what's different. I still don't like the idea of pre-installed games, though, because that does kind of ruin the whole... No, they transfer, transfer. over... They transfer with the system. They're pre-installed on the OS, not on the hardware. If you have Zelda on your 3DS and you transfer your 3DS to another 3DS, everything saved to that 3DS goes with it. Save files, games, everything. It's treated as if you download it yourself from the eShop. They just pre-download it for you. So they don't have to make a cartridge. Wow. Or they give you a down, or like with the Zelda bundle, they literally give you a download code on a piece of paper, and you go download it yourself. So they don't really mean pre-installed. It is pre-installed. Half the time they download it already. Oh. But it's installed on your OS that you then customize. It's no different than you downloading it yourself, at least in that regard. But um, good to know. Good to know. Yeah, it's also worth mentioning. Who knows what will come of this? But Nintendo World Report noticed that. Uh, there may be Super Nintendo coming to the 3DS Virtual Console. They noticed this on Everse on 3DS, where if you go look at the Wii U communities for Virtual Console games, all of them have a gamepad, or, you know, a screenshot. The header image is a screenshot framed in the gamepad. But Contra 3, for some no apparent reason, it's in a 3DS top screen framing, not a gamepad. They're really taking their time the light... on getting everything but Game Boy Advance games or... Well, this is Super Nintendo in this case. Know, but... Yeah, that'd be crazy if Super Nintendo hit before Game Boy Advance. But hey, Nintendo's saying true to their word. They said when the Ambassador program went live that Game Boy Advance would be exclusive to Ambassadors. And they are staying true to that to this day. I honestly thought they'd only wait a year, but it's two years later now and they still haven't done it. Well, yeah. Trying to make them feel special. Indeed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if. What? Not I should really finish Fire Emblem, the Sacred Stone. I should really, like, play all those Ambassador games. I don't think I've played any of them for more than five minutes. Because it's like, I kind of forget they're there, because I put them in a folder. Oh. And I have so many other games, I'm just like, oh yeah, I think I play WarioWare the most. I think but... I've beaten half of them. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but... Well, um... some of them you can't really beat, but yeah. Yeah, like that's F-Zero true. And... Yeah. I, I wish it. GP, I wish F-Zero GP Legend was the F-Zero they included with uh, the Ambassador program. So much better than Maximum Velocity, but whatever. Uh, anyway, what I was going to say, though, about the Virtual Console is that Contra 3, so it has the wrong framing... And whoever was making those images, yeah, they could have probably screwed up. That's most likely what happened. But they did all the other ones right. So so the speculation from Nintendo World Report, and I kind of agree, is maybe it's something... Maybe they slipped the image in too soon, and maybe Super Nintendo is coming. I mean, Nintendo has said in one of their financial briefings recently that they want to leverage their virtual console uh, library better. And what better way to do it than to start pumping more games from more systems onto the 3DS. And... Maybe it's a 
more uh, often the word to decide we want to buy. And you game. know, with the unified, the countries buy one, and then right. And you know, with the unified eShop wallet, they could get to the point where they have cross-platform support, so you could buy it on one, get it on the other, or perhaps yeah. they'll do something like. I mean, it knows you spent money yeah, on that game exactly. on one console. Or if Nintendo wants to be greedy, they could always do what they did with the Wii. Uh, the Wii. Well, it's gonna be discounted. We were like, yeah. Toolbook. Yeah, so it's like you pay a dollar to get the the companion game on your system's sister system or whatever. So, yeah. time will tell. But that, um, I think that's pretty much it for news. It's, I mean, we kind of already segued into impressions with Miiverse, so we might as well just go full force and talk Zelda. That's what we've been playing. Uh, just well, Zelda. That's what I've been playing primarily. Yeah, you, not as much. So I guess I'll... By not as much, I... I mean, at all. You, yeah. not at all. I am still pretty well informed. Yeah, no, what, you... What's well, up you, with the game? Because my brother played it, and... Yeah, I, I mean, even though I wasn't really interested in this Zelda, because I'm not really too interested in a top-down Zelda, yeah, except Zelda. for Minish Cap. I love Minish Cap. But, um, I don't know, a lot of things <coughs> that... I watched him play a good <coughs> amount of it, and he also... I don't know, I asked him what he thought about it, and it's kind of interesting, because it's way different than any other Zelda in terms of, like, length and difficulty. Yeah, it, and it, it is very different. I mean, I'm not finished with the game yet. I know, I know, listeners, I know. I have to be it by the end of December. I will. Literally, um... 12 hours after we, this, we finish recording this podcast, I'm hopping on an airplane, five and a half hour plane ride to New York, and I will be playing Zelda the whole plane ride. So don't worry, the game will be beaten. For I don't think they hour. want you to beat it. Go no, ahead. they don't, because they want the $10 bonus eShop. But fine, worry, I'm going to beat it. There we go. You should be very worried. You should be concerned for your for your well-being, safety, <laughs> and your life as a whole. Yeah, I know. Yeah, never mind your holiday season. You're, just be sure to always look behind you when you're... Walking outside when when the snow is falling ever so gracefully and it seems beautiful, it might not be what it seems. That's that's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, so Zelda is, yeah, um, Zelda's what I've been playing. I'm not done with the game by any means, but I am I am a good chunk into it, so I think I am in a position where I could give some impressions. And I think I mean you touched on it. it is very different. The formula is very shaken up in some ways, but in other ways it's very similar. So it's interesting what they kept and what they changed. I think it kind of, like, the nice thing about Link Between Worlds is, is I think it's really a stepping stone for what's next for Zelda. Like, this is the one where it's like, like, Skyward Sword was them, like, dipping their toe in the water and going, should we mix up the formula a little? Like, okay, we'll make it more linear in these parts. We'll take out some exploration mm-hmm. over here, but we'll make it very, like, tunnel vision. Like, you do this, this, this in a specific order. Okay, yeah, we'll do that, and it'll be, yeah, we'll see like, how that goes. Yeah, and this like, one's like, well, what if we just take out the tunnel? What if we just don't make it, just do what you want? And I think, like... They're they're getting more comfortable with the idea of toying with Zelda now because it used to be. But it sounded like that. It sounded like that caused a lot of simplification because like the for uh, Link Between Worlds. Yeah, because I mean, this is to my brother. Like, I also have another friend who I usually go to because he's all, he's probably the biggest Zelda fan I know. And they both came to the concern that it was really short and really easy. It is short from my like almost to the point where they were like, oh, they they both sounded really disappointed that it was that short and easy. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't really attest to the length because I'm I mean, still in it. On average, like Zelda games, I will say that it does seem easier in some ways. I mean, they usually creep up to like the forty-hour range. Yeah, this is this one's clocking in from what I've heard at about fifteen. But yeah, which. But here's the really thing. Short. Here's the thing. First but, of all, but I mean, that's fine. I mean, I guess if you're doing the same thing for a long time, it could get boring. But first of all, in terms of it's, easiness, it's kind of you choose your own adventure. It's like a choose your own adventure next time. Because if you rent the items. And then you choose to not necessarily do the most logical path. In terms, like, there are temples and oh. dungeons in the game where it's like, you need this item to do this dungeon. But there are ones where there aren't that. So if you choose to do those and you take some items that might put you at a disadvantage, you can make it harder for oh. yourself. 
that's a that I mean, obviously, like I can't you take what I say with a grain of salt because right, I haven't played, played it. But um, my my brother was telling me that he was going into like usually he rented items, but he almost they give you so many hearts or they give you so many ways to like keep your health up that you never really in danger. Well, I feel like I feel dying. like this Zelda is more about just solving the puzzles. Like I remember yeah, who said so- it. Someone said it's like one of Nintendo's best puzzle games. Like so it's oh. more about like just getting through the dungeon, and less about surviving the dungeon if that makes sense like it's just about making your way through it and progressing through the puzzles than it is about necessarily living yeah because it's not like oh (laughs) let's go into this dungeon like okay you need a bomb and whatever to get into this dungeon or so this is the bomb dungeon and then you use the bomb throughout but see that's i think that's the bomb the boss with the bomb right right right. i think that's part of the i mean that's part of the formula mix that they're trying to do because what used to be is you'd go to um you know you'd go all right you you're going to the Deku tree, right? Okay. Hey, check it out. Here's the bomb flower. Now you know how to use the bomb flower. Now you use the bomb flower. Okay, next stop, Zora's Domain. I don't know why I'm picking Ocarina of Time. Okay, now you're in Zora's Domain. Remember that bomb flower stuff? Yeah, you don't really... That's fine. That's done with. Okay, now, you don't know what you're doing yet, but just just start walking through it. Oh, see that over there? That's the thing you're using now. Just use that. Only that. Okay, you're comfortable with that? Now we're going to give you puzzles with that. What this one's doing is it's saying, you really don't need to go through the hallways that get you to the item... And only then first start using the item when you can just be given the item up front and just do the puzzles that involve the item. Basically, they cut out the... I mean, some. I mean, there is something to be said for finding the item and discovering that and having that, you know, learning those abilities as you go. There's also something to be said for just, like, I know how a hookshot works or I know how the fire wand or whatever it's called works. Just give me puzzles that use it and, uh, and be creative with them. I think, like, that's kind of where the shift is occurring. It's not so much about, like... It's not holding your hand as much. It's more freeform, which is kind of like what I was saying, where, like, Skyward Sword kind of dabbled in the idea of what's linear versus what's open, and this is kind of going in a different direction, but in the same way. Because to me, to me, the pacing of this one's just perfect, because they're not holding your hand at all. There's no point where there's a tutorial that's more than one dialogue box that I've played thus far. It's really just, like, go. You've played a Zelda, just go. You know what these items do. You don't need to go discover them and have us teach you the rope by, like, look, you have a stick on fire. Go take it over to that cobweb. Oh, well, you know, the cobweb burned. And then three rooms later, oh, hey, there's some cobwebs. Remember, you can burn them. Like, they just give you fire and just take you into a puzzle and you just do everything. So, yeah, it is easier in some regards because, like, you know how the items work and a lot of the items are familiar because a lot of them are lifted right out of a link to the past. But it's also they can just get you right into the puzzles, right into the, like, the meat of the dungeon instead of having you kind of linger through these hallways that take you to these chests that take you to these other things that finally get you the item. So you're, really just, you're just getting, like, the... They're just emphasizing the puzzle part, I guess. I mean, there is combat, too, but I feel like just the puzzle part is what they're focusing on a little more. So, but with that said, I feel like, yes, the game's definitely shorter, and I that's partly, I think, because it's a handheld game, and partly because they just streamlined it like crazy. Because, yes, so Twilight Princess... I think that's kind of good. No, no I really like it. I think this is the perfect pacing for a Zelda game, because Twilight Princess or Skyward, Skyward Sword actually is really guilty of this, where it'd be like... Now we're going to explain this to you. You got that? Okay, now we're going over here and we're going to explain that to you. Okay, now we're taking you down to the to earth for the fir- or to like ground for the first time. Yeah. And now we're going to explain how that works. Okay, you got that? Now let's go exp- you know, it's yeah, a lot I mean, of that. But with like... this one it's just like you're in, you're playing. Everything just moves really quickly like the you're in the first dungeon within 5 minutes. The story is explained to you within like you know, like 20 minutes later and that's after you already play a dungeon. Like it's just that quick. And then there's, you know, everything's moving at a really brisk pace. There's not, nothing lingers too long. Even the cutscenes and whatnot are pretty brief. 
even Link moves quickly, like physically moves quickly. Like everything's just really quick and kind of handheld optimized. Because, you know, you're not necessarily playing if as much. You can't sit for as many hours on a handheld as you can on a console. Which and brings up. Even if you treat it like Right, one. yeah. But, but that, of course, also brings which up. Is kind of which is how I treat mine. But, I mean, I'm yeah. saying, like, they made this going, okay, some people might ride a train to work and play it for half an hour, so we need to let them be able to do that. Which brings up a whole other host of questions of, so is this the future of the Zelda franchise, or is this just kind of what portable will be like? Yeah, but, um, uh, yeah, either way, just everything's so much quicker, which I think is why I like the fact that the items, you just go buy the item and you go do it. Because, like, how many times do I go walk through the corridors of a dungeon just to go find an item to then get to the puzzles? I mean, yes, there's you move crates and stuff to open doors that get you the item, but it's just like, sometimes, you know, I don't want to have to go find the iron boots i just want to have the iron boots and do the crazy stuff on the ceiling and whatnot like i don't have to go wander through a cavern well, i mean one forever. thing that i mm, i don't know if the later dungeons in this game incorporated but i mean a lot of the dungeons in later zelda games usually incorporate every item you've earned up to that point and then you find a newer item but i mean yeah but but, but, but then, i mean but now that you're only taking certain items to certain dungeons i mean now you're there are some with... dungeons that aren't item specific though and they do kind of do that um and there's also ones that are like there's items, or not items, there's dungeons where, no, items, that's right. There are, there's different scenarios, I'm trying to say, where you, yeah, you. it is best to, like, figure out which mix and match of different items you should have with you. But it's just kind of, yeah, it's it's not quite to the same extent where it's like, okay, you, we're telling you you, have, you need a bomb for this dungeon, but also, yeah, you also need a fire wand to get past that thing that gets you to the bomb. Like, I haven't encountered that directly yet, no. Mm. So, so you're right that they're not necessarily... It's not so much building on each other, uh, on each item, that it's kind of, like, specialized for each item. Well, like, I mean, that's fine if it gives but, them, like, more... It lets them play with the items a bit more. Yeah, they could make Because they're already doing stuff... They're already doing stuff like there's a dungeon where, like, there's a lever you hit, but then it does something totally different than what levers normally do in a Zelda game. Like, it flips a wall differently in some other stuff. Like, it does... Like, it doesn't do what you think it would do, so it kind of throws you off at first, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, and then you kind of figure, figure out how to circumvent it. So just, like, things like that. Like, they're able to play with some of the tropes of Zelda a bit and toy with it. But um, I think the, the... Yeah, so the item system obviously affects how dungeons play out, but it also... It also kind of lets you be a little more creative in terms of, like, risk-reward, if that makes... Not creative, but it... it shifts the risk-reward a little. Because on the one hand, in older Zelda games, it's like, yeah, you keep ama- you keep like amassing this huge collection of items, and you have these items, and they're not going anywhere. But in this one, it's like, alright, if you want to just kind of like go try the crazy hard dungeon, you could go rent an item, or buy an item, and just go to it. Now, if you buy an item, you keep it forever. If you rent it, you lose it when you die, if you die. So that definitely shifts the, the scale, you know, the balance of how you approach things a little, because there's... There's, you could go, okay, yeah, I can go this really hard dungeon over there and rent an item, but the likelihood is I lose my rupees, I lose the item, I lose my progress, and I have to go do it all over again. Or you can take some of the items and go with some of the easier dungeons and figure that out and build up a better repertoire of skills and more rupees to spend, and then at that point, Rovio, the shopkeeper, will then start offering you some of the previous um, high-end items for a cheaper price. So the game kind of, it like kind of is like nudging you in certain directions, but you still have the ability if you want to go take the risk of losing an, a really high priced item early in the game. You can go do that. Like the game's not the way it's split up, pr- progress wise. It's not like um, you need to go to this dungeon to get this thing. It's there are X number of objects, and you get to pick which dungeons you go to to collect them. 
be it um, in this case it's seven sages. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so they're sages, and you go and collect. You go to each dungeon, and you pick them how you want to pick them. So you get to choose if you want to try and make it harder for yourself or make it easier. And the game gives you ways where it could kind of guide you in the right direction, but it's not like the tunnel vision of. Um, it's not the like super linear direct path time. of yeah, Skyward yeah. Sword, which is why I like because it's it's just like it's easy to it feels more exploratory. Like the um, plus you don't know where these dungeons are. Like in, I think that's actually a big part of it because in Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess and even kind of Ocarina of Time, there is super obvious where you had to go next. They keep going, oh, go south by the river and blah blah blah. And there are side quests in uh, Link Between Worlds that definitely are like you need to go over here if you want to do the side quest, like go into the woods or whatever. But the dungeons themselves. And it does point you in a general direction. They're actually, the map specifically is like, here's a dungeon, and here's another dungeon, and here's a third dungeon. But if you want to go wander, like, if there's three dungeons to the north, and you just want to wander southeast and see where it takes you, and you find a dungeon, you are welcome to go into that dungeon. The game doesn't, like, fence it off or put up an invisible wall or do anything like some of the other Zeldas may do. So, I don't think they ever put up a wall, but you know what I mean. So, that, I think, is where the whole, like, freeform gameplay really factors in. And I don't know why I had trouble saying that earlier, like, trying to formulate that earlier. But I think that's really, that's really where it, you know, sticks out from its um, predecessors. But I will say that, um, in addition to that, it's also, just like, another thing they change with items is they don't have ammo anymore. Which also helps a lot with the pacing, because you don't have to keep looking for more bombs to put in your bag or whatever. You can just, it's all a magic meter, which is also what controls Link going into the wall. And that just makes it a lot quicker. I mean, so it's kind of a similar risk-reward thing where it's like, well, I only have X amount of magic meter before it has to refill, so what should I do? Should I take on, take on these enemies with this, but I also need to be, go to you know the other side of that wall where there's a thing, a switch I have to hit before this fire hits me or something like that. So you have to kind of play the odds be like, well, I can hope I don't get hit and get over there and then get back, or I can just kill the enemy and then wait for it to regenerate, but dodge the fire to get over there turn off the fire, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like a different variant of that risk-reward idea that it's also kind of fun to play with. Well, so I actually really like... I think to keep it fresh. Yeah, I actually really like that they did the matching meter, because, yeah, I... Yeah, I'm starting to realize I prefer more streamlined games. I wouldn't say necessarily linear games, but streamlined. Like, this one, it's like, okay, you have a weapon, and you use it. And sure, you have to let it regenerate, but you don't have to go find things for it. You just use it. Like, it's... I don't know. I, just, I think yeah. I just prefer that, but... Um, I mean, I guess, like... I mean, in Wind Waker, I don't think I ever had any trouble, like finding items like i mean right. i always had enough arrows always had enough bombs yeah but um i mean there's that boss where you can only kill him with arrows and as soon as you run out he spits out some more arrows so at that point it's like yeah i mean if they're gonna keep, gonna keep, re- keep refilling your arrows for you might as well make them refillable yeah that's what i was about to say is like in lots of Zelda games where you need when you need the additional ammunition nintendo puts it there but it's kind of like why do i have to keep picking these bomb flowers it if, like, they're right here. I get it. They're in every room I go into in this dungeon, but why do they keep making me go over and press A when it can just do it itself? I don't know what's with me in bomb flowers. I've referenced those more than any <laughs> other item. And they're such a lame item, too. <laughs> but, you know what I mean, though? Like, it's just streamlined. Everything's just way more, like, honed in. And it's just like, here's the essence of Zelda. It's you solving these puzzles. It's you using these items to do it. So we're going to give you the items. We're going to give you the puzzles. And you just go do it. You don't have to be dragged down by miscellaneous side tasks, mm-hmm. such as picking bomb flowers but um the, the thing I, I mentioned it but i haven't really talked about it. the wall the link turning into a 2d painting the hyrule glyphic if you will that thing's really cool actually and it um i think it actually adds a lot in terms of the puzzle because even you know i've been playing it and even still i keep forgetting that i can do that so like i'll be in a room or something like oh right wait i could go over there if i go into this into 2d form and kind of navigate the side of the room and go up through the window or whatever so it's um it's definitely an interesting mechanic and it's kind of 
it's nice to like you think you're stuck and then you have that realization where it's you're not really stuck and you can circumvent the issue but also it's just cool how um it gives such a different perspective on the world there are things you don't see when you're in top down that you see when you're on the side they even do little things like they have rupees in the wall when you're when you're uh, like drawn on rupees. yeah drawn on rupees and you could collect them or you can like there's a, a house a building where you can um go in and basically put Link inside different paintings, kind of like there's paintings, and that's where the Majora's Mask mask is. Well, there's also the Majora's Mask. It's in your house. But you can... Uh, that's not a spoiler. It's right at the beginning of the game. Um, you can, like, go into the wall and pose with the Majora's Mask or pose with these various paintings and have funny expressions on your face and then put them on Miiverse now that there's Miiverse. So there's, like, all sorts of, you know, neat little applications for that beyond just the normal puzzling and traveling between low rule and high rule. Um, I will say, uh, high rule's map is... Pretty much identical. I mean, all the dungeons are new, but there's no doubt that Hyrule is a link to the past world. Like, it, it's identical. They even have a nice little homage early in the game where um, some of the castle guards are, scra- are scrubbing off graffiti left on the castle, and the graffiti is basically a 2D, crude, like, hand-drawn version of the old guard sprites from the Super Nintendo oh. game, which I was kind of like, oh, that's neat. But, um, yeah, so it's, you know, there's a, the... Uh, like, the wall thing, it doesn't... It's not, like, a game-changing thing. It's, you know, it's not, like... I mean, it is game-changing, literally, but it's not, like... Um, it's not, like, it's such a great feature that it sells the game on itself, but when you add it to it's already there and add to, like, the... You know, you could explore... It's all The game's all about exploration and kind of doing things on your own, and then they have this mechanic where it's, like, hey, see if you can... You know, you're not confined to four walls of a dungeon anymore. See, like, what happens if you go in the wall, you know, that sort of thing. It just kind of fits with the general theme of more free-form experimenting with the game for yourself. So, that's my thoughts on that. Um, I will say, though, the graphics... So, the zoom in and out is really cool when they do link zooming because it goes from, like, top down to... The frame rate is really the nice. The frame rate's 60 frames the entire it's time. So and the 3D the effects, frame. even with that 60... You know, it's in... The 3D effects work even with that 60 frames per second. And the 3D effects are so nice. I said this during Con-Con when we I first downloaded it, I'll say it again now, but the way the, like, Link um, springs out of the screen when he's, like, going up the bouncy things, you know, with the hammer, the bouncy platform, is such a cool touch. And, like, when he hits enemies with his sword, sometimes they'll launch towards the screen, sometimes they won't. So just the pop-out's really good. And then verticality has always been a major part of, of um, A Link to the Past, so they kept it for A Link Between Worlds. So you'll be going, like, three, four levels deep, and it'll really look like he's deep in the screen. Like, this game uses the 3D so well. I will say, though, that the graphics themselves, they're not, I mean, they're good. I'll put it this way. A lot of people complain that the game just looks straight up bad, like the visual style is a bad choice, the art style is a bad choice. I wouldn't quite go that far. I'd say it does remind me of the Zelda... Remember before, Ocarina of, remember before Ocarina of Time when they had the Zelda 64 beta that they had in Nintendo Power? It's like this video of, I think it's on YouTube, but it's this video of Link fighting just like a couple of random baddies in like an empty room. It kind of looks like this. Like that art style is like a very, very crude version of this. Or like Link looks like he's out of a PS1 game, to be honest. But, um, but I think they, I don't know how else they would transform it into 3D. Unless they decide to go full on cell shaded. I think basically this is probably the best approach they could have taken for the look. Because it does look like A Link to the Past, but in 3D. Like, they even did this crazy thing. You can't see it in-game, but I was reading in uh, Iwata Asks that they do a thing where all the graphics are actually slanted. If you look at it from oh, the side, yeah, everything's yeah. slanted because when you look from above, you can see faces and whatnot. Because they want to have the characters emote, like in A Link to the Past, 
Well, they didn't emote, but you could see their faces. Um, they wanted to have characters emote. They wanted to be able to like pan down and have yeah, them. Yeah, kind of the same thing with um that running joke with um the original Legend of Zelda, how like how Link is walking when he walks sideways, he's pretty much dragging himself on the ground. Yeah, yeah, it's the exact same effect. But um, yeah, so like unless they did full on cell shading, I don't know how else they would have done a proper like a Link to the Past style in 3D. And even then, cell shading would make it more like Wind Waker and Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. So I would argue that'd be the wrong aesthetic. Yeah. So I think with what they have, it makes the most sense. It just isn't necessarily the prettiest of the bunch. If that makes sense. But it definitely has its own look. I mean, it looks really unique and different. Yeah, it does have its own look. And it also has uh, really good music, I should mention. Okay. It has um, good. It has good mix of like new tunes and really nice rearranged versions of the old tunes. I've only heard the remixed versions of the old ones. And they're good, right? Good, yeah. They're good. Yeah. But, uh, so I think like overall, I mean, I feel like this, these impressions kind of wandered a bit, so sorry they weren't more constructed. But uh, overall, I think the game's great. I think it's really great. I highly recommend it to any Zelda fan. I highly recommend it to any 3DS owner. Uh, based on what I've played thus far, your brother and your friend are right, Jose, that it definitely seems a little shorter. It definitely seems a little easier. And it does kind of have, like... there. You could see why some people may not like the new the new uh, freeform style. Because, yeah, you're just like, here's an item, go to the dungeon, do the dungeon, go back, get a different item, go to a different dungeon. But... It's, it's how you choose to work within that. Like, if you literally just go, I am Dungeon, I am Dungeon, I am Dungeon, you're not going to get much out of it. But if you start doing the street pass battles, and if you start just exploring the world and doing side quests, and if you start, you know, trying purposely to not go to the dungeon they want you to go to and seeing what you can do, then it gets more interesting. And that's why I think it's great, is they're giving you the opportunity to do that, which they never used to do. So yeah, that's um, that's pretty much my take on it. And I think, what well, you were going to say something? Well, I mean, if I ever manage to... Um... Stop playing Pokemon, I'll definitely, like... Yeah, good luck with that. I'm just going to point out, so we've been recording for two hours now, and for this entire two hours, his 3DS has been sitting next to me, positioned in a way that uh, a bike is going in a circle in Pokemon to count steps to hatch his baby Pokemon, and I would mention... Well, it's not hatching. Or not hatch to... What are you doing with the steps? Um, I just left the Pokemon in the daycare, and it's just... Oh, daycare, um, yeah. Just, I said just to level thing. up. I'm just going to leave it right. overnight. Yeah, I, I meant that. Sorry. And I, I should mention... I don't, don't want to bother... I should fighting. mention, it was going for two hours since we started recording. It's also been going for the rest of today. So we're talking like 10 hours now. 12 hours. Something like that. It's going to cost a lot of money to get that Pokemon out. Good thing, doesn't, good thing, good thing the 3DS doesn't use much energy, because that would suck up your... That would make your uh, electric bill so expensive. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, what I was going to say is... Uh, Zelda, real quick. So... I think, what, just to kind of sum up, so I said what I like about the game, and you know, if you do the more interesting stuff like Street Pass, it is more, that's when things get interesting. But I think really this game, and I kind of topped off the impression with this, it kind of feels like a stepping stone. It feels like Nintendo's experimenting with different ideas, uh, and they're now going from, well, what if we did more linear to make it so it's more accessible to new players, to do what if we just took the essence of Zelda, the core of Zelda, and ran with it. Strip out everything you don't actually need, and just make it like the original Zelda, or a link to the past, and just be like, here's a dungeon, here's an item, go. And that seems to be what it is. I mean, in a one of the developers in the interview was saying that at one point they were even considering calling it New Legend of Zelda, much like the new Super Mario Brothers series took Mario back to its roots. And honestly, that would have been a perfect name. That's exactly what this feels like. This is like old school Zelda with a fresh coat of paint and some updated features. So, I mean, if they if they were to go forward with this for handheld games, I think it'd be perfect. I mean, Spirit Tracks and Phantom Hourglass are fine in their own right, but not having a giant tower you had to keep you have to keep going back to and climbing 
is definitely an improvement. I think in many ways this is a return to form for Zelda. Like Zelda Ocarina of Time was great, Twilight Princess was great, Skyward Sword was great. But this is really this is like this is like literally what Zelda's all about. Like this is distilled Zelda. So it's it's interesting that Nintendo's starting to experiment with the formula as much as they are, and I'm really hoping that the Wii U one will take some of the streamlined concept and just kind of run with it in a bigger environment. Like if they did, you know, the dungeon exploration and whatnot, but they didn't necessarily make you have to go hunt down the eyes, or you were you did have the freedom to go to any dungeon you want, just in a 3D, you know, behind the back world instead of a top down rapid fire, everyone's running around really quick world, or if they kept things like the ammo. I think all these little nips and tucks they made just to speed up the process really helps make for a better Zelda. That's my two cents. Um, And with that, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Uh, Anything you want to add based on what you have heard about Zelda? Um, I mean, well, based on what I've been saying... I'll probably give it a try, but... Based on what you've been saying, or based on what I've been saying, do you think... Do you think this is... Like the right step for Zelda, should they be mixing up the formula as much, or are we getting to the point where it's like, okay, don't be too non-Zelda. Like you need. A- no, it's fine. They, they, uh, they, they have to push it as much as they can, so they could still keep it Zelda, but not keep it too similar. Cause... But do you think they're reaching the point? Like, because oh, I, I mean, know. you're saying that your brother and your friend I mean... were disappointed with this one in some regards because it was like they stripped out so much that became so much shorter, and in their opinions, a lot easier. But I mean, so do you think that? But I mean, they seem to like, I guess, also like have a lot of fun with it too. Right. Just because I mean, they just want it longer. Yeah, I think they just wanted more. Because I mean, Minish Cap, for all I know, it's probably a shorter game. But I spent a lot of time playing with the Cane Stones. Right. So yeah, that's a cool system, actually. See, stuff like that, like I feel like that's part of what happened with Zelda, where it almost went down like a not bad path, but went down this like complicated path. Where like they started introducing so many s- different mechanics in the games, like the Cane Stones, which were cool in their own right, but just like it got to the point where. I wouldn't say it was bogged down by things. That sounds kind of ridiculous. Because they're great games. Don't get me wrong. They've always been great games. But it's just like there's so much happening in any given game that you could get lost forever doing this random side thing. And then, you know, if you in your journey collecting kinstones, you might have stumbled across where you ultimately need to go for a dungeon or something, right? Like you could have been in some part of the world doing whatever trade or whatever. Or collect, however you collect it, I don't yeah. remember. And then you see something that well, you have... the game tells you you can't deal with until you have some item yeah. that you won't get for like three more dungeons, right? But if they, like, took that idea and kind of layered it on top of the freeform style of this Zelda, wouldn't that be kind of nice if, like, you're collecting kinstones, like, oh, there's a dungeon right here? Screw it, I'll play it, and yeah. go into the dungeon. Like, it would just, it just seems like that would be more yeah, logical because, I mean, for me. kinstones, you have to, like, talk to every single, like, NPC you possibly yeah, can. Yeah, in you the don't entire have, game, and they're all over yeah, the place. And you don't have access to every single area until... Yeah, so, like, well, much, I guess the kinstone system wouldn't work too well with yeah, freeform. Because pretty much you up. can't really complete it until you beat... You're pretty much gonna beat the game, so yeah. you can have access to every single place. But yeah, yeah but I just like I just feel like the freeform thing is such a good fit. But anyway, um, I think that pretty much does it for this episode of the Ramtown Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we had we had breaking news during. I mean, that's true. We do have breaking news. We should mention <laughs> this. Thank you. The French so, bulldog replaced the so the cocker spaniel. Yeah, yeah. The French bulldog replaced replaced the cocker spaniel. Uh, a little context to that a fifth is trophy in Smash Brothers. Yes, we we're recording this. I'll be honest, we're recording this at one a.m. on a Friday because I'm off to New York, as I mentioned earlier in the show um, later today, at the time of this recording. So we'll, we'll be posting this on Sunday, as always, as you know, because you're listening to it at the earliest on Sunday. But we just need to get make sure we had a good, solid, normal length episode before I took off across the country. So here we are. Uh, Meverse was just updated a little bit ago, and Nintendogs Assist Trophies are back in Smash Bros. So that's now four. What a nice bookend for the episode. We start with Smash Bros. We end with Smash Bros. 
Nicely done. Yeah. But that brings us to four Smash Bros. announcements in a two-week span. So yeah, they're definitely ramping it up. And like you're saying at the top of the show, I think, I think this is a sign development's progressing. Really it looks nicely. so real. It, it does look Sakurai so real. Says. It does look so real. I agree with Sakurai. Tell me that doesn't bring a smile to your face. He asks. Everyone, go click on Meverse and tell him if it brings a smile. If it doesn't bring a smile to your face, and also while you're on Meverse, be sure to follow us. See that? Um, yeah, you can follow me at Jason R. You can follow him, Jose, at Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. You can also follow us on Twitter if you feel so inclined to hear our thoughts on gaming or see my photos from Nintendo World. I'll probably Instagram at some point. I'm uh, JSR7, and Jose is Wero. And speaking of Nintendo World, since I did, uh, definitely stay tuned to the site in the coming weeks when I get back from New York and we have a cool little extra on the site, article gallery, wherever you want to call it, about Nintendo World, um, some of the cool items they have on sale that you can't get anywhere else. So definitely stay tuned for that. Be sure to check out the site currently to see um, like extra the Direct problem in which I talk about the goods and bads of Nintendo Direct. Um, we talked about it on the show, but yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, and please, let me know what you think. Do you agree, disagree, share your thoughts? Also, also while sharing your thoughts, you can do that on this episode in the blog post on Ramtown.com for episode 59. That's, once again, called The Stuff of Legends. And I think I'm literally out of things I could possibly plug. So, with that, all I'm going to say is we'll see you in two weeks on December 29th for our final episode of 2013. If I don't beat Zelda by then, I will be extremely close to doing so. Or someone's going to be walking away with $10 in eShop credit come January 1st. Um, so tune in for that just to see if I even beat the game. And uh, we'll, of course, have the latest news. We'll have impressions of a couple different things. Um, some, some of the lesser profile lower profile games that may have slipped under the radar we're going to use the opportunity of the lull of the holidays to go back and revisit those so definitely tune in for that and yeah that pretty much does it we will see you in two weeks yeah.